All right. My overlay is completely ruined for some reason. I'm going to try to fix it. Oh. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with Vedius. We're on stream, Vedius. Vedius yeah. is my boy. Caster extraordinaire. He's been on multiple finals. The voice that everybody recognizes. The better part of the Medi Vedi combo. I'm just kidding. Medi is fucking fantastic. <laughs> you both are great. I love you both. Thanks, buddy. Welcome, Vedius. How are you doing today? Thanks, man. I'm tired, but I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I messed yeah, something good, up man. here because I'm kind of scared because I'm to, to show your face. I'm showing my Discord and I need to make sure that nothing crazy is showing when I reveal. That's fine, bro. Reveal, yeah. You take your time. I'm in no rush. Honestly, uh, I've still got yesterday's. <laughs> Jesus, I don't know what's happening. That <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's like a zoom in of my neck. <laughs> I, uh, Jesus, uh, I don't know what's happening. I'm trying to find the edge. Technology. <laughs> <laughs> trying to find the. Oh man! All right. Trans All right. <laughs> Fit the screen. That's not. Uh, oh man. All right. <laughs> Reset. All right. I'm starting from scratch. Reset. I don't think there's anything there that is dangerous. Yeah, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. Oh, we good. All right. Well, now I'm gonna fit you to the screen. Looking great today, Vidius. Cheers, buddy. What's up? What's up, dude? What did you think about the finals? Uh, fast. I got home quick. <laughs> it was fast. <laughs> Pretty typical G2 finals. You know, the yeah. first ever finals I cast was mm. 2017 summer. It was actually Misfits versus G2, which was oh, also yeah. 3-0. Do you remember Max Lord Rengar? Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that oh, yeah. was my first ever final. And since then, G2 have a habit of uh, making it a lot of quick finals. That is true, yeah. That is very true. I think um, I wanted to ask you because... There's this yeah. conversation about this final, right? It's like, does this mm. final give you they're going to win MSI vibes? Oh. The same as we had back in 2019. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it gives me really positive vibes, for mm -hmm. sure. Admittedly, though, like, I haven't been paying super close attention to the LCK. I've mm -hmm. heard T1's, like, very good right now. Yeah, they are. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, it's one of those things where when I look at a team, I try to think of the the potential ceiling of a team, mm -hmm. and uh, the ceiling is very high. I think a lot of people are still concerned about Broken Blade, but I think that the way people look at Broken Blade is a little unfair, because like especially if you look at yesterday, I think in two games he um, he wasn't in a winning matchup, and he was getting permaganged, and he was getting roamed on by Niski, and like the whole Mad Lions play style is like play through top, or at least they tried to yesterday. Mm. Whereas like G two is like, all right, good luck, BB, have fun, and <laughs> you know. So um, I think sometimes he's made to look worse than he is. Um, but aside from that, I think that that this G two roster looks good, and it's just that draft flexibility that I think makes them so good. Um, and uh, we can only hope that at MSI they uh, they do as proud. I think they will. I think they'll they'll get put on a good showing. You? But uh, yeah, I I, I feel. I feel that like they are very similar in ways to 2019 G2, but I think for me the core difference is that 2019 G2 was 2019 G2 in 2019. Yeah. They, were, they were very ahead of the curve 
of of sure. everything and i feel at least my impression is that the the top eastern teams they really put an effort to study why teams are good and sure. you you can see the adaptation of of players uh, and and the top end teams when they build rosters that have the intention of winning the world championship i think that after that 2019 of g2 i feel like everyone became a lot more liberal <clears throat> in terms of <clears throat> I just need to drink. Jesus, I'm a fucking Sahara Desert in my throat. One second. I get what you mean, though. It makes sense. Um... Like, just the fact that, um, like, looking at last year's Worlds, we had the Heimerdinger come in, and we had all of these mm -hmm. ADK supports. It's like Korea is um, mm -hmm. really, really, like, exploring the idea of really having this edge, right? And the same thing with Faker. He's playing the Gragos mid, and now everyone's adapting it. Uh, sure, Annie was kind of all over the place, but I feel like they're always that they're definitely pushing the boundaries of that, and I feel like G two twenty nineteen introduced that uh, more so than anything. But I think T yeah. one looks scary, JDG looks kind of scary. There's a lot of big teams on the LPL. Hard to judge uh, what they're going to bring to the table. Uh, I think Flyk was sure. also super interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't go so far to say as same as in 2019 that these guys are going to win um, uh, everything. I think no, I agree. I, and I, I still, I, I still think that like, even when we look at 2019, if um, the collapse of IG didn't happen, mm. I do wonder what that final looks like. Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, it's a, it's an interesting one that a lot of things happen. Like obviously none of us predicted that DRX of all teams would win worlds last year. True. Yeah. Um, so I think it's always, it always comes down to what the meta will look like when MSI mm -hmm. rolls around. Cause the patch that we've been playing on right now in the LEC, very different to the rest of the world. Right. For sure. Um, so there's a lot of factors, but like, yeah, I remember when you and I walked off that final in 2019 spring, we were like, this team is, is not normal. Mm -hmm. um and uh i'd say that no i don't have that feeling um because like i still think that like i was listening to you guys talk about it you jizuke um dom and wonder and jack specter and like some of those drafts were kind of like they were they were a recipe you know yeah yeah <laughs> and Definitely. uh it's one of those things <laughs> where like it's it's hard sometimes to say how good the drafts actually were when to me it felt like that there were just a couple of straight up skill gaps at times, you know, when G2 was just outplaying and doing things better than Mad were. So it's like, okay, sure, they have all these creative drafts, but like, is it something that you can actually rely on? Is it actually like something that's super effective? It's still something that I think uh, it can catch teams off guard, but I don't know. I guess I, I, guess I would be like hesitantly optimistic is kind of how I would look at it. Mm -hmm. um, but for sure, they definitely feel like a good team. Um, and I, uh, I definitely rate them as someone that can make a good run at MSI, even though it's still... Remember, there's still a long way to go. So we can only hope that they can uh, continue to improve on some of the weaknesses that they still have. I would say... I, I think when I look at G2's biggest strengths, I feel like each individual player has a very, very strong awareness of, of macro and when enemy teams make macro mistakes in terms of positioning. Like, like, like an example from yesterday was uh, there was a situation where uh, Mad Lions... Um, uh, burnt a lot of HP, and uh, there was a situation when they were basing in blue, and and G2, everyone on G2 had the awareness of, this. we are much stronger in this moment, the enemy needs to base, so we're going to pressure them out all the way, and try to leverage this into an opportunity. 
And Mad Lions made the mistake. I remember Wukong was like basing in the bush and just got caught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden yeah. the whole game shifted. And I feel always looking back at previous years, it's like spring split usually is a very imprecise split. And winter split is even more so. And I think mm-hmm. looking back at G2 from, from previous year, at least there's this pattern with G2, especially with Dylan Falco, and especially like last year with them winning the, the, the spring split with, with Flakid and Targamas. On paper, I didn't think that roster looked so exciting, but I think their yeah. preparationary work before the season has always been a massive edge. And I think that they were so, so sharp the entire uh, playoffs run to to punish mistakes. And um, those mistakes were frequent and they kind of rolled over. Uh, I remember like the first series against Mad Lions. Mad Lions were in very winning positions for two games straight and they just threw and somehow Draven just got 3,000, 4,000 gold out of nowhere, even though after they botched like a bot lane dive and they invaded on Raptors and... Yike is going like one and five on Maokai and they, they kind of got away with it because yeah. I think macro wise they are super, super sharp. I remember, yeah, yeah. I think as as a roster though, I think individually Hansama and Mickey, I think they've looked fantastic. Caps, he's kind of like been leveling up and like slowly going into that Caps uh, old school form. I think Yike, uh, Definitely. I think we have enough of volume to be able to say that he's actually good and not just, uh, you know, someone that is enjoying the fruits of, of Mickey's and, and Cap's labor. And then BB, I guess he had some decent Olaf games, but uh, I don't think, uh, I, I think that BB could potentially be something in terms of what he, the situations he was exposed to in terms of what he showed so far. I think that maybe that could be a, a bit of a liability looking how the deeper you go into international tournament, the more uh, the top laners begin to haunt you and <laughs> show you what you've been doing all year is wrong. But uh, we shall see. Yeah. At least my man's been playing jacks, a lot of Olaf, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll always remember though, that like Flandre won a world championship playing Graves, just true. Graves. He had like, <laughs> I, I can't remember the other champion. It may have been Gragas. But like I think he had a Fiora game it or two. Was Gragas, yeah. Like, yeah, it was like it was like fifteen Gra- uh, Graves games, and then he had like two Gragas games or something ridiculous. Um, you know, so like you know, top lane, it's a roll, it's there, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, but yeah, it's uh, I agree, I very much agree. Um, as I mentioned, I think the ceiling is really high. Um. Unfortunately, we have to wait a while. Like cause... that's what's weird, no? It feels like MSI yeah, is going to yeah. come up now, but yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it feels super. Good. Yesterday, I was saying like, oh, you know, enjoy your break, see you all, and everyone's like, Vedi, we'll see you in two weeks. Like we literally have a meeting, like not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. I was like, oh yeah, right, yeah, we're just gonna start again for sure. That's that is weird. No, for sure. On the flip side, we had Mad Lions, which uh, yeah. I think I think Mad Lions. I'm I'm super happy to see Hilly do well. I think I, I feel like Mad Lions, at least from outside, I I always felt like they were um, playing with very clear intentions, and I think yep. at the back end of that, you can see like a trajectory of improvement, and I think that's like essential when you look at the team. At least like following Mad Lions the whole whole season long, uh, Mad Lions always always had a very clear like idea of what they want to achieve. I think they had like the good fundamentals in place in terms of, oh, we're going to heavily focus on the 2v2 mid, the, the 3v3 mid, which I think that uh, gave them 
a, a big edge in, in a lot of the matchups. And I think that, um, I think it was super, super important that they didn't really push certain players into specific roles. I, I feel like Hilly on this team was allowed to explore what he wants to explore. And I think the same thing for, for Niski. They didn't put him in any kind of box in terms of uh, what he would potentially play. Like he was expanding on his pool and showed a lot of new sides to himself, which was uh, super, super good. Uh, how, how did you feel about Mad Lions watching them from, from the castle desk? Uh, this uh, I think that in the finals, they made a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes, mm -hmm. in my opinion. I wonder... I, I just... I, you have a lot more experience in this space than I do, but I do wonder how much exhaustion played a factor or if it was pressure, but like it's taken for granted the fact that that was their third best of five in a row. True. You've had the you've had the luxury of being with Niski in that situation. Uh, it was you and Niski that made the miracle run. You knocked G2 out of Worlds mm -hmm. and then you made it to the finals where you then lost to Mad and that was 2021, right? Yep, yep. Um, yeah, and so I think in that in that run, you played something like, wasn't it like it was five games, five games, five games, three games or something? Yeah, it's um, like we only 3-0'd Rogue, which was the day before, which was positive. Yes. But we played, I remember the number was, we played 22 games in all yeah. of playoffs in total, which was funny because it was more than the regular split. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it was... Um, uh, and five, 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 three, four. Yeah, and that that wears on you, right? For sure, yeah. <laughs> like, because sure. I'm I'm actually super curious as to how like you even approach prep in that space. Because to me, I felt like that Mad, like they had a strat coming in for SK. SK kind of pushed them to the limit. Mm -hmm. I think the reason why Mad beat Koi is because Koi and Rogue historically have never been able to play through top. And I think a large part of why they won last split and why they're so consistently good is there is there have never really been teams in Europe that can exploit top lane, mm -hmm. which is why I think that top, whenever we went international, always then got exploited. Yep. Um, but I think MAD showcased throughout the best of fives that they are a, a European team that can successfully carry through top lane. Like that's one of the best Jace performances that I think we have seen in Europe for a long time in terms of how they enable the Jace, play through the Jace, and they completely shut down the enemy top laner. Um, so I think that Mad had like a game plan for SK. They had a game plan that they could then translate over into their series versus Koi, but that just wasn't going to work against G2 because every time that Mad attacked top, G2 attacks bot. Um, and they're a team that is very good at attacking bot, and I think that Broken Blade kind of takes that responsibility of playing on the weak side as much as possible. And I still felt that even when he found himself at disadvantages, he was able to still have impact in the game. I mean, game one, he literally solo killed um, Chasey uh, on the Kled, right? And sometimes it's just a matter of getting that champ or or just given uh, a, a bit of relief from the pressure that's being thrown up there. But whatever it is, um, I think that... Uh, Mad just didn't have any game plans. And the fact that they had this high priority on like, I know Gragas became like a big thing in the series, mm -hmm. but like I really didn't feel like they had anything else outside of Gragas Vi Jace, you know? Yes, I felt yes. like they'd ran out, like their 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 fuel had gone. Um, and I, I wonder like if they'd had a few more days to prep, 
could they have done more? Could they have shown us more if they'd given a day's rest? Maybe like they look different against G2. Um, while I do still consider G2 the better team and to take that series, I, I feel like that we didn't really get to see Mad at peak. Um, and so I'm optimistic for them in spring and uh, I'm confident that they can they can only improve from here. No, uh, yeah, for sure. I, I think when it comes to fatigue, I think that's real. I think that the main issue is that you, you, you have to concentrate so much energy on what is in front of you. And then yeah. G2 is just a very tough to team to prepare against. It's like you open yeah. their pro builds, their, their OP.GGs. You see Mickey playing Akshan. You see all three players playing Kled. It's like three players are playing Kled on this team. And it's like, sure, maybe you open Lulalytics and you see the counters to Kled. Like they had Fiora and Casio, which like looked yep. decent. But <laughs> it's like, I looking at that series. Now, sometimes when it dawns on you that the enemy team is, is better than you, you're going to play worse trying to figure it out. Yeah. And yeah. I remember us, for example, against G2 uh, 2021, 2020, well, I'm mixing up the years, 2022, shit, it's 2023, right? 2022 spring, we yeah. got 3 0 by G2 in the lower bracket final, and then they beat the Rogue, and they smoked all of us, right? And yeah. and G2, like, we, we beat them first time around, 3-2, and then uh, coming into the next series, uh, we looked so horrible. Because right. we were in that state of mind where, oh shit, they are playing, um, like just the psychology of, of, of being a player in those games. It's like, okay, uh, we are worse than them. What can we do to 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 to, to shake things up? And then yep. everything that you do just reeks of desperation because right. you, you want to make the decision that is going to give you a position in the game that makes sense to you and allows you to play it out in, in, in a manner that is in your control. And then everything just reeks of desperation. And then you have this, this idea of, 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 of individuals trying to carry just a bit too hard, trying to squeeze it just a bit too much. It's like Niski yep. trying to catch the Talia on side with the Gragas and you have yeah, the Wukong yeah, exactly. trying to squeeze way too much. Just because they're in they're in a very specific like specific state of mind against the Sejuani this. dive pop where yes yes just died yeah yeah and and a lot of a lot of details play into that it's like if if, if you're a player and you're like oh uh, my bot lane is performing worse than the enemy, enemy bot lane I need to overperform here to compensate for that and then the psychology of that as it plays out, can look super, super bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think also, I think an additional layer to it is that G2 is a team that they can plan towards what you've prepared in two ways. It's like, they don't need to follow the same structure of bands. I think probably on red side, you have to ban Mauke, Elise, Ash. I think that makes sense. But yeah. a lot of the common strong picks that people like to play, the bot lanes and so forth, they've found a very unique way of being so much different than all of the other teams in yeah. the LEC. 100%. And that makes it so awkward to also prepare against. It's just, at the end of the day, it's like I was just sitting 
one hour before the finals, I'm like, okay, so what are they planning to play into Gragas mid? Like, what, what's the plan here? <laughs> For sure, they're preparing something. Is he going to play Fiora mid? Is he going to fucking yeah. play Casio? I came to the cl- conclusion, Caps is going to play Aatrox, and that was fucking far off. <laughs> like, like, it's just sitting there, sitting there, trying to prepare for G2. I, I remember against 2019 G2 as well. Sitting there, trying to prepare for what they are going to throw at you is a losing game. You're better off right. just playing what is good for you. But I think also sniping the Vi, I think the Vi-Gragas combo was was very dangerous. Sniping that yeah, out yeah. and uh, uh, making sure that that's not really uh, played. It's like one time Yike played the first Vi game when the enemy first picked Gragas and the other time around they banned it. There was, there was a lot of um, uh, cleverness uh, uh, to that because I was surprised yeah. that uh, Mad decided to go for the first pick Varus and then went the Sejuani route. I thought that I thought the whole plan would be to first pick Gragas the moment Vi is open, but it seemed like G2 had a plan there too to just slam Vi themselves. And uh, right. I'm sitting there thinking, yo, Caps is going to play Vi mid. I saw Faker play it <laughs> two years ago. <laughs> it's just, you, you go so insane trying to figure out the next step of G2 that um, it's better off, you're better off just picking things that are just strong and you'll figure it out from there. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's an interesting situation where there's there are a bunch of layers when being when when competing that you kind of have to go through. First of all, can we individually match them? Doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be better than, but can we match them on an individual level? If we just play a standard even matchup, can we go even with them? Um, and that's the first barrier to entry, right? Mm-hmm. Then once you get past that barrier, there's the element of draft, which is like, okay, sure, we can go toe to toe with them, but can we actually get a draft which can give us advantages? against a team that can be so flexible and then okay maybe if you get over that hurdle then there's the next hurdle of okay now we've got to be able to make sure that we execute upon the draft um you know we have a good game plan and we're able to deliver on the plan that we set out for ourselves and then there's the level of macro right and then there's the wildcard element and normally you don't ever get to the wildcard element but you and i have been on a desk together and we've literally said on a desk it feels weird to use this as analysis because it's not really but Caps has an X factor, which he yeah. just does shit, and he he just does shit, and you you just you just you're like you don't you can't plan for it, you can't prepare for it. You, you it's just something that you either have to be ready for or you have to outplay in the moment. And like he's the type of player that will do that. And G two has a habit of finding players that can all do that. Mickey X, Hans Summer, Yike, Caps. They, 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 they're all players that can do this thing that you just can't predict or you don't know. And I think that you can expect that from a player like Hillisang. Like you can expect that from a player like El Yoya. I think that we've been seeing it more from Niski. And I think that Chasey had some good showings. But that X Factor layer just then is often a thing that can cut teams above many others. And like we can even use T1 as an example where we saw Zayus at Worlds last year just making these incredible outplays where just like he was doing things that on paper he shouldn't be able to do. But he found his way out of situations and and he was able to turn it into an advantage and this like x factor thing um it's just another layer that gets added onto the the skill of teams that you have to find a way to overcome um that and that and that's only if you get through the first four that i mentioned right um which like i think a lot of people will now look at mad and think that they're not very good which i think is a bit of a shame because i think when you look at their run throughout the split I think that they did have a very good split overall. I think there are like so many positives to take away and you can look at this roster and be very optimistic with the direction that they've gone in. And I think that Chasey is an upgrade over Armit. I think that the addition of Hilly to this bot lane, I think that people will quickly forget that Kazi and Hilly was 
the most consistent bot lane during the regular season. They actually had the least deaths of any bot lane in the league. Um, and I know that Kazi didn't have the best finals, but it's um, I still believe in the potential of the team and I'm optimistic in the direction that they go. And the only hope now is that um, I always get worried with teams in Europe specifically about drama. Um, I don't know internally about any drama, but I just hope that no drama ends up coming out mm. from Mad, and they can keep a, a good level head in in moving forward, and uh, can can only continue to grow from here. Bill, no, I, I my my general impression from I have like faith in 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 Mac, you know, I have faith in Mac, I have faith in uh, what he believes. Like I, I can see in 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 their gameplay, which which sounds super crazy. It's like my my coach mind is is uh, is is looking to uh, kind of um, elaborate on the situation, but I can see a situation where I I can see for how they draft and how they approach things of what what the trajectory of what each player could potentially be, and I'm yeah. hoping and I I believe in Mac. I just believe in Mac plain and simple. I believe in Hilly. I th I think they will they will definitely be fine. On on the topic of G two, what I would like want to add, I think. It's like I've I've tried to define what what that is more and more, and I feel like what 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 G two does so so well. I think in terms of, I think there is a clear layer of trust in each player to execute mechanically, and I think that's super yeah. super important. As as you make decisions, and you can make that decision for five players at the same time, that is going to make your gameplay so much more fluid. It's like it's it's kind of like imagine a situation where there's a there's a there's a body like I'm trying to think of that Power Ranger robot right as a Power Ranger robot it's like you could control only the right arm but there's yeah. a there's a certain layer of it of if if when you swing your whole body is behind it and I think yeah. G two it's like if if I make a decision with with caps there's a clear line of thinking where he thinks oh if if my teammate does this and this happens and this this is the follow-up then this is going to be a very very strong play and i think being able to trust your teammates mechanically on that level is so so important i think this is so so clear because i think sometimes g2 they, they just follow through so hard on the decisions that they make and i think that's so so big it's like the moment they they spotted the jace with the yumi on the corner everyone was just following oh, yeah. up and everyone was super super clear they found the game winning play and i think being able to take those decisions with full knowing fully well that your teammates are going to execute i think is so so big the additional layer to it that i think g2 does so so well i think when they have some resemblance of of pressure i feel like that each player has translated that insanely well I think mm -hmm. yesterday we had the Braun Varos flash the whole fuck up on the bot lane. And then yeah. Sejuani is passing into top. She has to like base mid clear and go bot to defend the dive. But they fucked up the flashes. Braun Varos no flash. They dove bot. And we've seen games where teams, they dive bot, but it doesn't really translate so well. But all of a sudden after yeah. diving that bot, all of a sudden we have Jarvan perma controlling bot side river. And then all of a sudden this Cassio can't walk on the clear at all. The Cassio is scared. It's like Jizuki was saying on stream yesterday, we only saw Cassio on, on screen twice this whole stream, and both times there's three people mid. There's a Javan, there's a Gragoon, and there's a Kled, and Cassio can't play the game. In a, in, in a different situation, Kled will most likely struggle in this matchup. I imagine <laughs> that he should struggle if it's in isolation. Yep. But G2 have 
a, a clear idea of what decisions need to be made and what needs to be sacrificed for the greater good. And they made sure that this Kled is ahead. And then when Kled was ahead, the game was just kind of over because they just translate pressure so, so well. The whole season long, when G2 was ahead, it, it didn't seem like any team would touch them. It's like the moment they got ahead, the moment they got Nasher, the snowball was super, super clean and precise. And I think this is probably the main thing to me that has been the most impressive about G2. The main question will be, internationally, will they be able to replicate that against uh, teams that are just performing on a much higher level uh, mechanically? You know, that is that is going to be, uh, I guess, the, the big question. But for now, I don't see that there is any team that is going to be able to catch up to G2. Uh, not in spring and uh, for, for the, uh, maybe not even for, for uh, summer either. The the only concern I have for G2 is um, the way they build their leads is largely through dives, mm -hmm. which is not weird, right? A lot of teams internationally, like the dive meta is... Uh, it's, it's funny how like a lot of pros... It was at the beginning of last year when the durability patch hit, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and all the pros were telling me you can't dive anymore. Nope, not possible. Towers do too much damage. Uh, to be fair, they nerfed just... turrets after. So. No, I know they did. I know they did. And what happened? All the pros were just like, we're going to start diving them again. Um, but even when the turrets were like that, I remember LPL teams were still diving. You know, mm -hmm. And even EU teams were still looking to set up dives. And um, the, the stacked wave into dives, the it was fascinating listening to Exocake talk on Euphoria about how he was... <laughs> It was it was really cute and funny how he was just like, yeah, I just learned about like macro. <laughs> and I was just like, I mean, that's good. Um, <laughs> but he was talking about how like uh, coaches now have like, you know, um, often we would hear how LS talks about waves and like wave like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, and it seems to be a lot more of the pro player culture now, at least in Europe, where like you talk about those specific waves and how you intend to interact with those specific waves and what you're going to do on those waves. And then that gives information as to the junglers to like when they need to be there, the appropriate time, can they get into the camp in, blah, 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 blah. Um, and like everything seems a lot more precise compared mm -hmm. to what it used to be. Um, but often we see G2 drafting what I would argue is like winning bot lanes. They will either blind pick, they will ban out potential counters, and then they will draft what is like the strongest potential AD carry, um, which is why we saw a lot of like Lucian would be banned, um, Ash would be banned, and then AD carries would go to Varus because they're like, there aren't really any of the champions that can match the Varus. And even if you pick something like a Draven, there are ways in which you can mitigate that thanks to the range that Varus has and his potential setup and so on and so forth. Um, but then if Varus is gone, then they go to things like the Draven. And if the Draven is gone, now they also have the Samira. And if the Samira is gone, like we've seen the Misfortune. And like, I've sometimes wondered like, how deep can they go, you know? And like G2 keeps surprising me with the bot lanes that they can actually find 2v2 advantages with. But then I'm like, well, what happens if you can't get those 2v2 advantages? Mm, what happens fair. when you're not allowed to actually like, sometimes we've seen them actually play through top. You know, you've had the bot side of the map playing a little bit more defensively. And then you have caps on those like tanky mids. And then he's roaming around the map with the Zac, the Sejuani, now the Kleds. He wasn't really roaming much on the Kled yesterday, but the principle is still the same of uh, have your support jungle come mid, relieve some pressure, then translate that pressure elsewhere on the map. Um, and it's one of those things where like, that is how G2 have consistently found advantages. And so far in Europe, no team has been able to stop that ability to gain early leads. But I feel like a team like T1, a team like JDG, like these are the type of teams that could find ways to mitigate this, stop this, or like, 
you know, you draft Samira, well, like, uh, a Jackalove is not going to be afraid to draft a Draven into your Samira or something, right? He's not going to be afraid to match you in those hyper-aggressive 2v2s. They're going to fight you at level one. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, these are like the questions that you have to ask about like, well, how will G2 compete internationally? And obviously it's not something you necessarily have to be concerned about right now. Um, but this is where you then hope that the rest of Europe can level up to a point where like they can actually exploit and contest G2 so that G2 can recognize their weaknesses now because as a team that's guaranteed to go MSI, ideally spring is the, the window where they do get exploited to a degree so that they can then improve and be ready for, for international competition. I think I think that's a really really good point. Uh, for for sure, every almost every game they are very reliant on the idea of being stronger bot, and mm -hmm. they manage to do so through uh, matchups, and sometimes they manage to do so through just sheer force of of, of better play, and yep. and definitely in a lot of cases, what Yike is picking kind of needs that to to succeed. Barring, For of sure. course, he 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 has he played the Vi and so forth. Yep. Uh, it's like it's it's not that rare where we see a situation where G two is actually like contesting three v three on the actual wave. It's always in the in the case of the setups for the dives, and I think that that your point makes definitely a lot of sense. I think another example for us, like obviously, I think G two right now is much better than than we were last year, but mm -hmm. we were. We were very, very reliant on the idea of just snowballing the shit out of bot. It's like we needed yeah. to overperform in bot in order to win games. That was like our pattern of play. And when we get to group stage, we're playing against former bot champion EDG in Mako Viper and then yep. Gumayushi and Korea. It's like yep. we managed to steal a game because Lushinami fucking 2v2 killed bot and we managed to get this kill on, on owner when he fucked up, right? On, on the bot yep. to play. And that was yeah. like, holy shit, we outdrafted them. Azir, Lucian, Nami, Poppy, Aatrox, God bless. Like in the mm -hmm. recipe for success. <laughs> yeah, and then I remember. Uh, coming into the next game, we could, like, there was a 3v3 on bottom side. We lost, we mis-executed on. And then all of a sudden, it's like the, those same patterns, we couldn't replicate them. Uh, I think G2 is a lot more fluid in the way they play, but it's definitely, sure. that's a pattern that you can see. The fact that the bottom lane is actually consistently doing super super good i think to to add to this in the losses that g2 had that this was actually missing for them and i saw a pattern yeah. with g2 on red side specifically when when yumi was open this is not something that they wanted to play but if they couldn't want to a bot laner the only bot laner they could do was was varus and mm -hmm. or or they just um drop bot completely and uh picked only a bot laner on three there was Two games they lost against Yumi Sivir locking on 2-3 when they showed no bot laner, could only pick one on third and Javon was out. And mm -hmm. they there was one game they played Varus Lulu into SK, they got dove bot, they, they, they got dove by the Elise, the Elise was stronger early, Sivir Yumi had control and they couldn't find a, a very clean counter. And then there was the game where uh, Vitality were playing Varus and Ash into their Lucian Nami. Obviously, yep. there was there's additional layers to that, like with the Swain mids and whatever the fuck. For but, sure, for sure. But there's definitely like like a pattern there that they are super super good when they have the stronger bot and they can re recreate that almost every game in 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 Europe. Uh, but internationally, it definitely looks uh, very very different. But 
Han Saman Mickey, fucking brilliant. Really, really uh, like what I've seen so far from, from the both of them. Uh, of I, I, really, really, uh, just really fun to watch, honestly. Really, really good to watch. For sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I think um, now, I guess, finals we, we covered. Do we yep. just uh, go down the list of, of the teams? Do we start from, from the back? <laughs> Wherever you want, really. That's 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 Excel. I actually love. I'd love to. I'd love to start with Koi. You want to start yeah. with Koi? Okay, let's do Koi. Yeah, let's do Koi. mainly because right. So like this roster change, right? So they got benched and they brought in Jagenda, mm -hmm. right? And then there was this article on Reddit that I didn't read. I just read the title. Right? <laughs> okay. And the main reason why I read the title is because it actually stemmed from an Odoamne tweet where it, he like the he basically quoted the the article title. Um. And uh, it, and basically, Jigenda talked about how, like, because they started practice so late, they tried to play carry tops, but like they weren't able to practice it enough, which meant that they he never actually got to play any of his carry tops. And uh, Oduamne basically said, like, uh, different year, same story, you know, like he's kind of like throwing shade at the organization. And like, I'm misquoting the tweet, so like, don't take what I said for gospel, but I know yeah. the tweet is somewhere there from Odo, but um. Koi as a team, I mentioned this earlier, but I think that their ceiling has been reached. I think that they are a team that has incredibly talented players. Um, their play pattern is, I'm not going to say rigid, but it's like formulaic in a sense, in how like they have a very versatile bot lane that can often draft winning two versus twos. They have a control mage player that can also play carries in mids, totally fine. But like he's Mr. Consistent, very reliable, will very rarely let you down in mid lane. And then they've got a top laner that um pretty flexible, like happy to play whatever the team needs. Um, but like they created the same structure that they had last year, which is this idea of three pillars, three consistent pillars that Maorang then uses to find opportunities and punish vision to find advantages for his team but this team is incapable of playing through the top side of the map like they've never done it they've never been able to do it and i don't think they ever will do it um and they couldn't they they never really did it with odo i they haven't demonstrated to me that they can ever do it with jigenda and i think that this is the same issue that we saw from them literally every year when they went to worlds and people always flamed odo for it and like don't get me wrong I forget which world it was. It was the worlds where Odo Amne was with Han Summer and he like died to Khan on both sides of the Graves Jacks matchup. Um, but he had kidney stones that year, so I'll give him a pass. But <laughs> um, this is this is a team that has never tried to properly play through their top side. I think the only time we ever really saw it was when Odo Amne was on Inspired and we had the Nocturne top meta. And everyone was like, oh, wow, Odoamne is playing insanely well. And that's because for the first time, he'd actually had a bunch of resources given in his direction. Um, and then I think it comes back to the bigger problem and question of like, why is it that Europe can't play through top? Why is it that our top laners are often like put into this position of they have to play Gragas top, they have to play the Orns? Like, why do we not see more of an investment? And I think that MAD showcased what a carry through top performance can look like and the impact that that can have uh, on a game. And I think that every year internationally, teams recognize, hey, their jungler never comes top lane. Let's just perma camp, dive top, and then let's get this top laner that they can do nothing about. Um, and so, like, I have concerns for Koi. I'm kind of at a point with them where, like, how, unless this play pattern of theirs that I feel like I've been seeing every year changes, 
how are they actually going to grow as a team? Because don't get me wrong, they're obviously very good. Like their baseline is very high. It was enough to win them a championship last split. Um, but with players like Chasey and Photon coming into the league and these teams that are actually willing to play through their top side of the map, I feel like that it's only going to get harder for Koi unless they learn to expand their playbook and and find ways to win find more ways to win outside of just leveraging their strong bot side and they're very consistent mid. I um so many thoughts came up from what you said, which is me. a very, Hit very me. good sign. I I have a very distinct memory because we played against Rogue Right in the, the, the lower bracket final that year. Mm -hmm. And I think a big part of what made them winning was I think they had a very good understanding of w what we wanted to do in draft. Basically, how you beat Fnatic that year was draft the better front-to-back composition and survive. Right, right. Like, C9 also figured this out. They slammed Trundle, they slammed Orn, and we just had the yep. weaker front-to-back champs. And then we didn't have access to Poppy or Trundle. And then we had a Javan game, and it was a disaster, right? Mm -hmm. um, Koi, a rogue in that series what made them win in that front-to-back situation if you if you fall behind when both compositions are front-to-back there's nothing creative you can do there's nothing crazy you can do you 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 yeah. throw a gragas ult and you hope that the enemy is just bad and yeah. um and basically what happened in all of the games that we lost was that malrang ganked top broke the top matchup made sure that he, the the Renekton or whatever Odamne played in that matchup had yeah. control, got the better base for Rift Herald, and then they secured Rift Herald through that. And that was yeah. like a big enough advantage for them to convert into something. I think on the topic of like top lane carry meta, I think that the, the most important thing is that that fundamental decision needs to come from a buy-in of the whole team. Of course, if, yeah. if if you're in a situation, for example, um, yesterday, it's like junglers can gank top, but what yes. what most junglers do bad is that they don't secure bot lane in that same process, or they don't secure bot lane in that process. I saw a very clear pattern because I remember we tried to tackle this last year. Uh, I think the best example was JDG with Kanavi. What he would yeah. do always, he would step into bot, they would drop all of the wards, they would make sure, make sure that Canavians are in Fog of War, and he would secure bot before he would do anything topside. It, it would right. just be like a pattern. It would be uh, secure bot, make them push out one wave, drop wards, Canavians in Fog of War. By the time he I can remember, make yeah. the decision to, 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 to dive top with his Vi or, or something similar, the... His bot lane had enough information to be able to contest the same wave that the enemy wanted to make the play on. And yep. at the same time, you had the buy-in from Yagao, like he was playing the Talia, he's playing the right champions, he was willing to commit to that decision, and through that, they could pressure even in cases where they don't have jungle information. And, mm -hmm. and that structure requires a buy-in from everyone, both on the draft side and also on the side of, of gameplay. It's like even in the context of Mad Lions yesterday, they dove top, Wukong took Herald and tried to dive top, which was kind of a disaster. In reality, he yep. should base, he should secure bot, because even though Karzin and, and, and Hilly, they got zoned off the turret, they got yep. completely fucked. It's like, I don't think Karzin yep. played a good series, but there was a lot of cases where he just got completely sold by his team yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, He really and, did, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and 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 that pat pattern is, is super, super important to, to, to establish because... 
in a lot of cases, if you don't secure bot and the enemy can dive your bot and pressure your bot off while you're diving top, usually the value is just too heavy in the AD carry uh, side due to a lot of the AD carries that are just available in the meta. Right? 100%, yeah. And I, and I think this whole structure is something that is lost upon most teams. It's like we couldn't figure this out last year. Uh, we, we, it's not that EU top laners can't play some of these champs that are 100%. so good. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. They can play totally. Fiora, they can win games in solo queue, but it just isn't the same in the context of, of, of team play. Another layer mm. of it is also the, the macro in regards to how teams approach Drake's it is too linear in the West, in, in the way right. that they are just seeing the mid-wave. We're going to contest on this mid-wave, we're going to take over uh, the Dragon River. But what all yes. of these LPL teams are doing, they are structuring their Drake in like, the Drake is killed now, and now we're preparing for the next Drake in terms of how we distribute our gold and how we manage the top wave. Because every time you see the best of the best top laners, by the time Drake spawns and they're playing a champion that is inherently weaker in a 5 5 situation, they are building and stacking a wave and they are forcing a very tough decision from uh, the enemy top laner in a lot of cases. And, right. and I think that layer of it is also so, so important because you can be ahead on Fiora, but if the enemy Orn who has maybe half an item less than you and he can blow his horn and you are coming into the fight and you're just staring at him, that's terrible. You need to be able to stack waves, crash those waves, and then as, 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 you, as the Orn catches, you need to leverage your move first in order to take the better position and then leverage that into being a monster it's like the yep. fioras that are completely 1v9 always the ones that stab you out of nowhere and proc your vitals and just a matter of seconds and then they win the game so there's like so many layers to it and i think uh, on the topic of koi have they reached their peak i kind of feel like this team was always living and dying by by malrang and and trimby because okay. In, in in my mind, I've seen I've seen Malrang play Graves in solo queue. I've seen him play Diana in, in scrims. I don't. This is not the question of he can he can play carry junglers. He has just yeah. identified in this team that he's just committed so far into this style. Because I remember screaming against uh, Rogue whenever they tried to do that and they tried to go that pattern, his lanes would just end. They would just run it down. They would They're die to in. they would die to every gank. So his solution was, as long as I gank, then it'll be okay. Because I'll always be there. Either it's 3v3 or it's 3v2, and it will work. And in the context of the jungle meta, sure, it's it's very, you know, you, you, you definitely get away with a lot, right? Because of how the jungle works. But uh -huh. I think that they've tried. And I think what worked for Koi was that Malrang threw himself on the sword all the time to get his laners ahead. They were strong enough to leverage those advantages into winning positions and Rogue just played control games from that point onward. This split, it just wasn't true. It's like often, I think Malrang, I saw so many games where he got first blood. I remember he was playing Maokai, did three camps into mid gank, got first blood for, yep. for Larson Azir and it's like, yep. what the fuck, he's getting level three ganking with Maokai, getting kills. And mm -hmm. they just couldn't convert that uh, at all. And the comparison of Shikenda to Odoamne, I don't think Odoamne would necessarily make this team better. Uh, no, I think I, I, agree. I think it it would be uh, more or less a lot of the same. Maybe Odoamne yep. would be like safer in some matchups, maybe we would see us better in some of the more NAR matchups or so forth. Maybe I mean, Shikenda didn't case, even have but... a bad split, right? He it's not like he played poorly in any way. 
Yeah, I think like maybe like the, the, the Mad Lion series, like he was dying super much. I think against G2, yeah. I think he was kind of sold because I think that he actually had like some good lane positions against the Olaf, where like Olaf had Flash Ghost and the, then the wave was frozen against TP. And Shigendo was yeah. actually like winning against BB, but then, you know, uh, the, the whole squad was coming and, and diving yeah, him on yeah, waves. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember there was this one G2 game where they got like dove top and then three people died and it was just so sad for <laughs> for, for Shigenda. It's like, oh, now he's fucked and he's looking bad and it's and it's kind of tough. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. It's it's like, I, I the notion that uh, that Koi has has reached a ceiling, I, I, I believe that, yeah. I, I can definitely see a world where that's uh, uh, very true. They did say themselves, right, that they started practicing very late. And I think all things yeah. considered, if if you, if if I'm in the state of mind at Koi and I'm thinking, oh, we just saved practicing in December and we started slow in January and all of these other teams put in a lot of effort, maybe that extra energy is going to, to, to matter. But I think the adjustment time for each of these teams to un- really understand the format uh, is also interesting because I think all of your preparation for all of the B1s needs to happen before the split starts. Having three scrim days is just not enough. And considering right. it's all on the same patch, I think like the two, three weeks that you have before the season starts are like essential to establish what you want to achieve, what is important, and to establish like what fundamental gameplay uh, you want to align on, right? And I think right. that's super, super important. I think Interesting. I think Comp and Trimby, I think they're really, really strong. Larson yeah, is a player yeah. I've never been super sold on. I think that he is a player that really, really hones in on something in preparation for series. And when he hones in on just the right thing in the context of the series, he looks really, really good. When not, I think he looks much worse. I think he seems to me the type of player that really needs to practice with repetition and like needs to play the same matchup over and over again a million times and then he's going to perform good and when it becomes a lot more scattered and the series opens up Larson always looks very uninteresting to me it's like in my mind I remember almost every rogue series this way either it's competitive and they win or when they lose it looks very bad sure that's fair which is like obviously we're all very doom and gloom. They did finish third. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, like, for sure. Third was super solid considering their their spring split. Yeah. and I still think Larson yeah, yeah, yeah. was uh, probably the third best performing mid laner uh, in 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 Europe, right? But we are talking in the context of how does Koi win another split, right? Right. So maybe exactly. we sound a lot more harsh than than we should because I think Malrang is fantastic. I think Trimby is fantastic. I think yeah, Comp yeah, is really exactly. fucking good. But the initial conversation was: Has Koi reached? their peak which yeah, was like exactly. a third place uh, uh placement right and i, I and that's the important thing because you, you when uh when you talk about teams that often sit at the bottom the framing and the perspective is always different because mm-hmm. it's about where your initial expectations were versus where they're now at or like what they could be especially when we eventually talk about sk it's probably going to be a lot more optimistic right yes, yes. where they're starting from For sure whereas koi they're a team that consistently finished top three like in the league now for the last two and a half years they've just been second third second third first second third, like somewhere yes, here yes. 
And so now we're looking like we're talking about spring coming up in the near future. There's also summer. And we're like looking at the end of the year and like is Koi the type of team that we think can win it all? And that's kind of why I opened this question with like, with that perspective in mind, I get worried that I think Koi is, has reached that ceiling. I think that I, I don't see how Koi change more from where they are um, to be able to to beat a Mad, to be able to beat a G2. And maybe in the near future, maybe even they'll struggle to beat an SK, given that that's such a young team and they have such a, what looks like an optimistic future ahead of them. Um and it's uh yeah I, I just have a lot of concerns for koi overall and that's not to take away from the fact that they still had a good split mm -hmm. i think that it's very easy to look at their players and argue that they're top three in their role across the board like i think we both agree that marang is somewhere in that conversation for top three yeah. jungle comp and trimby arguably like maybe second best bot lane third best bot lane somewhere in there like that's not to take anything away from them they're still an incredibly good team um but yeah yeah, are they still in that position where I think that they can take another title? That's where some of my concerns come in. Yeah, um, I'm still I'm super excited about Combin Trimby. I think even yesterday they played really fucking good. I mean, not yesterday, yeah. but in the in the series against Mad. Matt. It's like yeah. I think they were outperforming bots, but I think just oh yeah, I think just Elioya Elioya has been so fucking consistent. Like <laughs> the entire split, yeah. he's been he's been so good the entire split and. Yep. I think it's almost borderline unfair. Like, Elioya has been insanely, like, precise. I think yesterday was, you know, a lot of desperation sprinkled into his gameplay. But when I think about the context of, of his whole split, it's been super, super good. Yep. And uh, and then, of course, uh, Chasey, he broke every top lane curse ever. He won a game with Irelia. He won a game with Jace. <laughs> I, I loved was, his Aurelia game, bro. It was I, so fun to watch. I thought my man was about to win a game on Viora as well, and I was like, holy yeah. shit, <laughs> we, we are moving into a new era. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was truly, truly something else. But yeah, I, I, I think it's like coming into next split, I think that uh, Koi is a team that in my mind is a lot more meta-reliant than maybe the other oh, contenders that's right. a great point yeah 100 percent. they'll find a way to make the meta work for them uh, like at least that's the the trajectory they've they've shown like if you look at their results over the last like five splits as i mentioned earlier their results are like second third second third first and then this split will be another third like they find a way to mm -hmm. make the meta work but they're by that same point they're then somehow gated by the meta in many ways right yes yes uh, uh, when you think of Koi, you never think, oh yeah, they're an incredibly versatile team that comes up with all sorts of crazy picks at the last second, right? Mm. And um, yeah, they're definitely, when it comes to innovation, probably on the lower end of, of top teams, they just, they have such strong fundamentals in terms of their players. I think that that, that goes a long way. Um, and like, I, I mean, you even said that like Rogue were a great scrim partner. Yeah, um, they were. The rogue that you get in scrims is the rogue that you get on stage. Things that mm. they practice, they were able to implement. You know, uh, they were incredibly consistent and they set a good bar. And I think that they continue to do that. Um, but you then wonder, like, how far can that take you? For sure. It's, it, it, it's like Koi always in regular split. It's like I remember them placing first so many, many times uh, due to that uh, level of consistency. But in scrims, repetition is super super good 
But sometimes exploration can also be good and finding like a proper balance is, is also important. I heard many rumors about how it was to scrim G2 uh, this, uh, this year and they basically threw a bunch of shit at the wall and uh, they were in a state of mind where they just kept going and they just kept going, tried to figure out within the game and those exercises was also so, so important, right? That level yeah. of flexibility... But it can also, like, finding the balance in that is, is 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 sometimes very dangerous. And that's where it's like scrims become so important to establish your identity. Because I think this is a good segue to 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 Excel and, and Fnatic. It's like, Fnatic was a team that was rumored to be losing all of the scrims. And yep. then, then you look at the, then you're in this position where you're looking at global games. You're looking at what... Uh, teams are doing and what what teams are doing and that's working should you follow a line uh, follow on that or should you play the things that you thought works to your identity but you are just running it down in scrims and losing every game where do you draw the line of what is going to actually work on the weekend because uh, <laughs> that part of the process is also so so difficult when it comes to what you actually gain uh, out of scrims yeah as fanatic as uh, on, on your end, I've I've talk so, talked so much about fanatic on on this channel, so uh, like everyone's heard uh, my thoughts surrounding it. What, what what was your general feeling about fanatic this this time around? Uh, I think that um, I think they had a massive meta problem. Um, it was very clear to me pretty early on that Rux was not comfortable on. Mm -hmm. uh, the champions that he needed to buy like when we first saw him at worlds he played what two games of leona i think is what he yep. put alongside upset um and then this split he just didn't look comfortable on anything that wasn't an engaged support and then later on they tried to force the engaged support and i think it was against sk where they drafted like varus nautilus or something nautilus maybe mm -hmm. zaya nautilus and then they went up against a kate lux yeah i think that, that was um, it yeah and it was so sad, bro. It was so <laughs> sad to watch. And you're just like, Markoon, he's just like making sure that this Kate Lux is perfectly safe and Exekick and Doss are just bullying the shit out of them. And you're just like, ah, oh, Fnatic, like you, you are like, cause you see Han Summer and Mickey and they're showing you like, this can work, you know, like I can still play engage supports and I can like, uh, I can, I, I can get around the fact that I'm playing into a Lux Caitlyn, but um, the way in which they do that requires so much team synergy and setup. Like you were mentioning it earlier. It's like, if you're going to do it, you were talking in the context of top, but it also applies to bot where the team has to be bought in, right? Yeah, like yeah. everyone needs to be ready. Like the mid laner needs to be ready to move. The jungler needs to be the right place at the right time. Like often something that Kadra would talk about was how Mickey on Nautilus at level one would just throw out the hook and he would go for a HP trade. Um, yeah. And like, there are all these little things and all these like, uh, that processes or steps that you need to take in order to make things like this work. And they just didn't have any of it. It felt like that they were trying to default to comfort without really understanding how they could make that comfort work. Um, I think Razork, while he did have games where he looked really poor, like, I understand where the fans come from, but having been around pros now for so many years, I'm, I can see when a player is, like, desperate, and they're like, if I don't do something, no one will. 
And often that looks really in. <laughs> um, but it's like, uh, Perks is always the player that I come to mind where like uh, the, the, the LeBlanc game against RNG, like he shouldered the responsibility of playmaking on himself. He was always the type of player that would be like, okay, if I have to carry this game 1v9, then I will carry this game 1v9. And there have been many players throughout history that have often tried to make plays that look really bad, but it's just because like, if I don't do anything or if I don't try something, then it's going to end in disaster. And again, that's not to say that like Razog didn't have his fair share of like bad games because he did. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think a lot of the intent there came from a fact of like, he was trying to make a dysfunctional team work. Um, and he was trying to get a team to to work on the same page, and and they just they couldn't. And um, it, I feel bad for them because like I know that uh, a lot of the players are incredibly talented. Like humanoid gets a lot of shit, uh, but I also know like I know how good Malik Brazda is. Mm-hmm. Um, we've all we've all seen peak humanoid. Um, how you necessarily always get peak humanoid is a mystery. Only certain coaches understand. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I, I ultimately think that Fnatic was a dysfunctional team that could never really agree on an identity, and I think that's the biggest thing. Like I don't understand why there's always drama with Fnatic. Often, like every split, it's always like a band aid. Like that's what I always hear. It's something is defun- dysfunctional, and we've got to like strap it together. You know, we've got to get to the next week. And I think yeah, that I if it was two games a week and it was a longer split, this Fnatic would have been able to bounce back. They would have finally been able to plug enough holes in the ship that they would have been able to cross the playoffs line but because it was three game days it was a much shorter split the amount of time they had to patch the holes like the holes were coming too quickly <laughs> and as teams around them got better they uh, they they couldn't improve at the same rate so um that they're, they're gonna need to make change i mean the rumors that we heard is that what the support changes uh to advien uh, and with top lane changes, right? So Wonder's gone, which was quite surprising, but um, yeah. I don't know if this suddenly makes the team better or if it gives them a greater sense of identity or if this will like inherently fix their problems, but I don't think it's going to necessarily be worse than what we've already seen, I guess. You know, I, like, the, the tricky thing always, it's like with the whole Millie Silver, it's like when... When, when we went through the motion last year, uh, I, I knew at the end of, of last year that we needed to make changes in the team because we definitely like reached our peak in, in, the, in that dynamic. We had a very, very clear pattern of gameplay. It was like, Marek is very, very good in isolation. And yep. a big part of our jungle clear was to make sure either we are dropping a pink for him, level one, or we're dropping do three camps into ward mid and humanoid wards mid level one too. And as long as he played in isolation, could harass the enemy with Azir, that was like, okay, that was perfect. Okay? And then we, we patterned the bot, we made sure that bottom situation is volatile, and then we took over the game through 3v3 bottom side. And then, uh, of course, Wunder was crowned uh, the, the, the weak side king, and yeah. this is just the, the pattern that worked for all of the players that we had. He is a player that uh, wanted to always posture forward and to, to, to play aggressive, Wunder was a person that was very flexible, so he could just adjust to the roles of the other teams. And Humanoid, like I've always called him, he's like he's like European Jovi. It's like, in terms of lane phase, it's fucking insane. Uh, in terms of connecting with, with everyone else, he's going to be very hesitant to like uh, 
give up things in order to hover for something that might work, right? Um, right. And we we managed it to work. Rux came in. It's like I didn't try to convince Rux to play Yumi and Lucian Nami or Caitlin Lux uh, when he came in uh, for us for uh, that, uh, of course, uh, uh, two games. I, 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 I spoke to him and then we sat down and we figured out what plans we need to do, how we want to set up to make sure that Rux is the most comfortable coming into this uh, situation. It's like we right. needed to make some compromises. It's like fucking Upset was playing Misfortune, which is not something that uh, he, he plays that often. Not so hard to play, right? Yeah. But it kind of, yeah. you know, made sense to get with the Leona. Uh, remember, we we yeah. didn't play Lucian Nam, we didn't play Caitlyn Lux, we didn't try to enforce anything like that, and we adjusted accordingly, right? And I think that's so, so uh, important. It's like yep. every, every time you... It's like the comparison to G2, they played Mili Supers the entire time. That was like a big buy-in from everyone. It's like so many games, yeah. Caps, uh, he, level 3, he just pushed in, and then he went bot. Yep. Four summoners gone, they killed Kate, and then the game is just fucking over, and the, the, yep. the melee support can do what the, the, the fuck he wants. <laughs> yep. And it was just, um, uh, all in all, it's like there's a buy-in for everyone behind it, and it, it works so well uh, because of it, and it seemed... And you, you had that philosophy at Worlds, right? Like, it was that idea of, let's let's play around this. I mean, I think they straight up 2v2 killed Bot 2, one of the games, right? Uh, yeah, I yeah. Like, uh, I, think, I think it happened, it's like... I'm a big believer of cleanse on support. <laughs> Basically, yeah. we were against Caitlyn Lux. Leona reaches level six, and like, what what does Lux want to do in that lane anymore? You know, it's like yeah. it's just kind of blows. So I'm a believer of cleanse on support, but but th th we just got to like a Leona Leona six into a misfortune old, so it wasn't like the, the most impressive thing ever because EG kind of right. sucked ass on Caitlyn Lux. I'm not gonna lie. And that's why I invited it. You know, it's like first I told Upsis, I said they don't play Caitlyn Lux. And then when they locked Caitlyn Lux, I'm like, they are really bad at Caitlyn Lux. And he just looked at me. He was kind of like pissed, you know? He's like, fuck's sake, man, I have to play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Against Caitlyn Lux. And to be fair, they completely ran it down. I was like, just. After the game, did you be like, I told you? Did you I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was in between. I was like, yeah. if I'm out, thank God they were boosted at it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think, I, I, and then it's like the issue of that, it's like, you there's no patch that is going to save you it's like if you have negative momentum there's no like edge you can find with a new patch maybe champs get nerfed everything is, is restructured because the beauty yeah. of a patch is teams get confused people yeah. teams suddenly don't believe in champions that are op and they think the yeah. other things is op it's like oh wukong yeah. got 30 percent damage nerf on his e on his clear ah it's useless now useless yep Useless, I can't clear. I was like, fucking. Classic, bro, yeah. My jungle is telling me, Poppy is useless now. I'm like, are you sure? We should try it. And then it's like, we scream against uh, RNG, first game, one, two, Poppy. They dive us both. Wow, Poppy is so OP. It's like, <laughs> you get you get drowned in the sauce of the patches, but there's no sauce. It's like, you have bro, three, bro, bro, bro. three weeks of, of my, just plain old my, salt and pepper, you know? <laughs> my favorite story is august right i went to see him because ender and him lived together for a period of time so when i was in la i went to see him and we had okay. a chat he was just like pros can be so obnoxious sometimes and, I was like, <laughs> and he was like caitlin right we were talking we're like being the balance team we were talking a lot about caitlin and we were like is there something wrong with caitlin and they were like well like her win rate's pretty good like her numbers are pretty good there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with caitlin but pros aren't picking caitlin and we're just like yeah like and and so like 
they 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 did this patch once and he was just like they they either they gave like a it was like a bug fix or like a visual thing and they gave her like plus five ad or something or they're like mm. they gave plus five to like her q or something like it was such a minor change it was like the whole minus 10 movement speed on aurelia or minus oh, yeah. five movement speed you know like it was that type of patch right and then everyone started picking Caitlyn. Everyone like, hey, Caitlyn, left, right, center. And he was just like, he was just like, sometimes all you got to do is remind people that this champ exists. And then all of a sudden it becomes popular. Um, and like, you, I, I fully understand what you're saying because you, you end up in this little, I, I don't even know what to like call it, but like, um, while I don't have that much experience as a pro, my pro is like, in the fucking esl uk premiership degree right though <laughs> but uh, i remember like you'd, you'd come up with these draft plans and you had all these expectations about what people would pick right and then you would lock a champion that from like a meta standpoint you think just doesn't have a counter and then they bring out something that in solo queue counters you right mm. like i don't know like syndra right the fizz answer you know syndra was this like really meta pick and then like jizuke was the guy that would bring out echo yeah. you know <laughs> and people were just like huh Echo, no one plays echo what who the hell plays echo and then jitsuke's like well yeah it's really good into the pick and like of why wouldn't i play echo and sometimes it's so easy to just forget there's like 160 champions in the game and like there are so many options but um i totally understand man it's, for sure um, it's both a blessing and a curse i think it's like last year our draft meetings bro it was like i would have like a i would sit all night and i would like make this immaculate plan yeah. And then I come into the draft meeting, I present it. And then players just want to argue for the sake of arguing. So 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 I so I let it I let it so basically my whole strategy was I let it play out. I let people get it out of the system. And uh -huh, then I present uh -huh. the plan again and then I say, What about this guys? This one here, we're gonna get this situation, and then after twenty minutes, after they hear the plan again, they don't even realize they're hearing the plan again. They're like, Wow, <laughs> this is really good. Let's just do this. Yeah. Oh yeah, great. <laughs> As a, <laughs> bro i remember this one uh, time it's like the whole week we're banning gp yeah. because we're playing against okay. vitality on the weekend alfari and uh, then all right yeah and then it's like we do the draft meeting i present it and then they argue blah blah blah, the usual and then at the end i present it again what about this idea oh yeah that sounds really good bro we're, we legit five minutes before the game one player says alfari's kind of shit on gp i can play into gp can you play into yeah. gp Look, Wunder, Wunder can play into GP. Why are we banning GP? I'm like, I'm thinking to myself. I'm like, okay, so you guys want to open GP right now. And I'm thinking to myself, do I sack this one game on stage to make sure that these homies will never fucking throw this in my face ever again? And then they're like, yeah, I could just, I could just play Kale. I could just play Kale. And I'm like Kale. thinking to myself, we played Kale into GP two games. We got Dove level three, all, <laughs> both of those games, and the game was lost. Are we gonna do that? I was thinking to myself, I'm not gonna fucking stir up the fire right now in this moment, right? And I'm like, okay. So you want to open GP? What else do we do into GP? We need to make sure that our champions are good into GP. It's like, yeah, I can play Twitch. I'm gonna play Twitch into Zeri. But I'm like, dude, I want to one two Zeri. Yuzeri is broken. Yuzeri is great. He's like, no, yeah. it's fine. He's like, no, I, we will invite the invite the Zeri, and then we have Twitch, Twitch into GP and Zeri. And I'm like, oh, okay. Let's see how this fucking plays out. They dive us level two. They dive us level three. Top. They, they, you know, the players they look at me is like, yeah, we could have played the dive better, but, but yeah, that's how it is. 
<laughs> the classic i heard cage tell me this story all the time where like sometimes bro, like he'd be in those situations you know and then afterwards they would go ah it's just the matchup you ever heard that one before it's, yes. <laughs> it's just the matchup bro and, and it's like after that it's like Everyone, everyone was just bought in. It's like one week of scrims. GP is banned every game. I say, I, like, they've heard me say, ban GP. Like, in total, five times six. They've heard it fucking 30 times, 30 ban times. GP. Yeah. And we, we go into the game, let's open GP. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Bro, oh and my I, God, like, I remember Oduamne <laughs> telling me this story. And he was just like, he, it's probably fine now because it's been a few years, but uh, he, he told me this story and he was just like, yeah, it was the exact same story that you had. And he was like, yeah, so I had this plan. I'd sat, I sat up with Freddie all night. Like we'd come up with this like really clear game plan. Like it was, we had, we knew exactly what we wanted to do. Like this was our plan for game one and then game two, like when we probably changed sides, this is what we were going to do. So we had, a, mm. we had a plan for blue, a plan for red, like everything we were like locked in. And when I pitched it to the team, everyone was a hundred percent bought in. Everyone knew every, like we were good. Okay. And then we're like backstage, you know, like we're getting ready and like, we're walking onto the stage <laughs> and then out of fucking nowhere it's like i hate this draft we need to change it and, <laughs> and it was like what like we, we, we've spent like the last three days planning this draft and why now have you decided <laughs> that it just suddenly doesn't work why what has happened Ah, oh, that was so funny when Odo was telling me that story. He was just like, I don't know what happened. Like, it was just like everyone lost their minds. It was just like they decided that all of our planning was was useless. And so we had to change it. Bro, it's like... And I forget I, which series it was, but like, that was... I was just like, damn. And Kedra has his fair share of stories like that too. Like, it it happens in all the time in yeah, pro play. Yeah. No, it's like... And I think like, a part of it is like, you seem to think you're just like, ah, but I know what they're going to do. You see, and because I know I can throw a wrench and because like they won't expect this. And so I can hit them with this. And then what are they going to do? And often they kind of look at it sometimes in the isolated matchup or sometimes they look at it in the context of like, this is a curveball that they won't be able to prepare for. And then in reality, it just, it doesn't go that way. And <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. And, uh, no, it's like for, for me, I, I, I could relate so hard to Dylan Falco, like in the regular yeah. split. When, like, the boys were absolutely, like, fucking unleashing it. Like, Swain, yeah. Talia Super, baby. Yeah. And then Falco, I can see in his face. He's like, this is, this is the moment I have, I'm, I'm letting them sell all of their credit here. They're selling all of their fucking draft books. The credit. And, I've heard about this. Yes. And, and, I'm, and I'm like, I'm, I'm good. You know, it's like, that, that's perfect. Do it in the regular season. <laughs> fuck it. You know? And it's like, what you, what you need to, when you, what you end up doing is, it's like, we establish rules. I was like, yo, we have yeah. a draft meeting at the beginning of the week. We're going to practice what we agree is good. If we need, to, if we want to make adjustments, they need to come from a clear point of reasoning. It can't be uh, this champion is fucking useless. Like it, it can't be that. It, it can never be that because so many times I've been in situations in the past where a player comes to me after after a game is played. It's like I don't want to fucking play LeBlanc. And it's like, what do you mean? We won a best of five with it. Like, we, we're fucking doing good. No, it's useless. I'm like, what happened? Can you explain what happened? He's like, no, I can't play it. And I'm like, nah, man, this this is not acceptable. I don't allow it. And then it's like, it's the same thing. It's like when someone, it's like some players, 
they 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 have like this uh, there's like a score there's like a draft yeah. score system where players have a little bit more permissions than others and some people need to be like no fucking way dude and <laughs> and i remember there was like i i tell them in the eye it's like you want to pick this remember i will look at every fucking decision you make and i will remember this game for the rest of the season <laughs> That's like legit. I look them in the eye and I say this. It's like you want to fuck. Do you want to? Do you want to pick this champion? You want to pick Kiana Jungle in my scrim? You better fucking play good, or I will remember it and you'll pick everything that I say you should pick for the rest of the season. I don't say it that harsh, but I make sure that they know. You know, I make sure that they know. Fucking Kiana Jungle in my scrim. Fucking hell, man. It's like there is so much. The players, you the the players just. Self-made? Was bro, that you? Was were you the, the yes. self-made? Bro, yeah, self-made okay, yeah, was yeah. the opposite. <laughs> we're screaming. He's he's playing Talon jungle in solo queue. I'm like, right. Self-made. All you're doing is playing Diana Talon. Let's 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 play some Talon and scrims. Let's see what we can happen. I'm like, we're thinking together. What can make sense with it? Play Talon. Yeah. We play TF. We play like a top laner that has CC to set you up for a mm-hmm. kill. Make sure you get that lethality first base with your ignite. You know all that good stuff. We scrim it, we scrim it, we scrim it. Doesn't want to play it on stage. <laughs> he was the opposite? That- the opposite. I'm like, self-made. Let's play Talon. He's like, nah, man, my Talon is not perfect. I'm like, you don't need to be perfect. It's good enough to win games. The drafts are good. You don't need to play perfect. He's like, no, man. There's so many Talon mechanics I need to learn in order for, for me to be perfect on this champ, and I don't want to play before that. And I've met players like that, like, in the past. I remember Jizuke. I've heard about this, yeah. I remember Jizuke. It's like, he's like, we're playing Yasuo, right? And Yasuo yeah. Gragas was in the meta. I was like, yo, Yasuo, let's just lock in Yasuo here. It's really, really good. He's like, no, my Yasuo's not perfect. I'm like, when is your Yasuo going to be perfect? <laughs> You're going to fucking get that watch from Hermione in Harry Potter or what? And fucking practice <laughs> in some fucking different time dimension. It's like sometimes you can play a champion 90% and it's fine. I don't need you to be able to squeeze like 99.9% fucking do montage EQ, flash EQ, R into fucking wind wall. I don't need you to fucking, you know, fucking make the, the last episode of a fucking anime happen. You know, it's, it's, it's all good. It's, it's, it's like those conversations are so interesting with players because it's Come like on. there's so much psychology tied to the game inherently. Because this yeah. whole idea of how you feel when you're playing is is something that is oh, not yes. tangible, well, but it also no. relates to how people also perceive draft. And, and yep. maneuvering that as a coach to make sure that you have the right idea and the strongest idea coming into a game and everyone buying into it, it always depends on what kind of a dynamic you're working with. And last year, I just had to let everyone talk their shit for 10 minutes and then represent the plan. And they're like, wow, this is so good. <laughs> Every draft meeting. <laughs> Bro, that remind, like I remember um a while ago I heard about Reckless and um Reckless would be like he'd have like 30 games on Callista in scrims mm. and he'd be like Callista God in scrims and in solo queue he'd play a bunch of Callista and everyone was just like nice like and then you get to stage and he's like No, I don't feel Callista doesn't feel right here. I don't know if I'm confident in my Callista here. And it's the exact really? same situation. Like it's 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 surprising how often it happens, and I think that people don't appreciate it. Um, but it's it's a weird one because like the viewers never quite get exposure to that, right? And in the mic checks, that we're never going to put that stuff in there. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, so you're never going to get that type of context. But it's it's fascinating how um, how chaotic it can be 
where like and it's both ends of the spectrum and i love that you talked about that that part too but like sometimes you gotta let it happen because i've heard of so many stories where players have been convinced that the pick that they have is the pick Mm. you know and as a coach it's more valuable for you in that moment to show that you can trust the player yes yes than it is to put the player down because I, I it was either you or a different coach was telling me about how like you sometimes you can be in that situation and uh if you tell them no and you tell them to pick something else like there's a lot of implications that that can have you know like that, that could hurt your relationship with the player that maybe there's a situation where for that player like they just they believe so wholeheartedly that that pick is the right one that the second you try to put them on something else mm. that they just can't focus they can't they can't realize the strength of the pick that they've been given because in their head they have uh convinced themselves that this is the right one and then if they lose that's then only further validation for them that like they were right all along and that you should have trusted them yes you know? yes no, it's, it's, and, uh, it's inherently, it's like it comes down to all of the work that happens before. Because if, if in the story that Grabs said, right, if it, or Oduamne shared, if, if that occurs as you're about to play the most important best of five, then all of the work that is before that, all of the months, that is where it's been wrong. Because the process that you have achieved with your dynamic in order to achieve the best draft and also have the confidence in that draft, it's all about yeah. everything that you show and bring to the table. And that confidence right. is built over time. Yeah, and my, my relationship is very, was very different because all of the players are very different with each player. It's like, if, if, I, if I try to tell Hilly when he's hovering Pike and about to lock it in, and the Pike is fucking garbage here, then he will lock Pike anyway and just play worse because because I say that, you know? And in that moment on stage, it's way more important that the players believe in what they are picking and I have created a relationship strong enough for me to be able to tell them, yo, we're going in this direction. It's really fucking good. Trust me, guys, you know? And they say, okay, Amaro, let's fucking go, you know? That is like the most important thing to establish that you have to build that relationship strong enough that you're able to make decisions that are as precise as possible without shaking up the confidence of the players, right? For sure. And that, yeah, yeah. that's like essential. It's like that is a big part of, of, of making dynamics, dynamics that work, right? And sure. um, I think it's like with, with the whole, like Caps is, the Caps story, of course, with the picking vein, yeah, like... Trust me, Dylan. <laughs> and it's like... Looking back at that game, the Vayne pick was fucking trash. It was like, terrible. They should have fucking lost God. that game. Like, Vayne sucks <laughs> yeah, they ass. Have. Yeah. Like, everyone remembers that moment because Hansama got fucking eaten to a wall. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, they could have been down like 2-0 two, two and it would have been like, oh, fuck, Fnatic 2018 or whatever the fuck year it was, 2018, is, yeah. is, is, is going to like, yo, it's, it's, it's like... You know, that's one moment where I'm pretty sure Dylan's like, yo, we can just pick Corky here and have like a really fucking easy game. <laughs> but uh, no, we, gotta, uh, we have to go vain. And it's like, you look vain. at Caps' face there. If you're going <laughs> to tell him to play Corky, you know, he's going to fucking shatter his spirits. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to fucking work, you know? Yeah. And Sometimes then it's like, you got to let the players be players, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's all about what you've done, what work you've put in ahead of time. You know? 
for sure. Yeah. Wow, what a tangent though. What a yeah, tangent. Yeah, I don't one. even know how we got I <laughs> don't know how about, we got here. Talking about Fnatic. Yeah. yeah they, they, oh, we were talking about Fnatic, yeah. <laughs> Fnatic had a shit split. Uh, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Very so, shit. Summary, Fnatic, yeah, a lot of shit. It's um, like I don't know if Advien and Oscarini is like it's not like they're doing super hot in Fnatic TQ, right? Uh but I think the tricky thing about the format is that between winter and spring, it's like, what kind of fucking changes can you really make? It's like ERLs are not going to let go of the players. Like, the the, the spring split, you kind of just fucking tank it and you look at what pieces you can take coming into summer. Uh, Like, you need to, like, basically do your scouting work now. You need to fucking do your preparationary work now and you need to figure out for summer. And then maybe some exciting RL players going to come into Fnatic and they will they will restructure but well the I, the real problem for Fnatic is that like i don't think people quite realize how challenging it actually is to qualify for the end of season like finals yeah. tournament thing because there's the winners right and then there's points the so hope points is, are really important yeah yeah um and the best case scenario for G2 teams like all. Fnatic <laughs> yeah is G2 wins all because then if G2 takes all those spots then it means that no other teams auto qualify and it means that there are five spots up for grabs based on points mm. um and already you look at the difference i think mad has something like 100 points right now um and Fnatic's at 10 so mad has another second third place finish mm-hmm. it becomes incredibly difficult to catch up to mad just because they're already sitting at like close to 200 points and mm. like they basically already guaranteed themselves a spot as well and so Fnatic and excel need like a top end finish to counteract their bottom end finish mm-hmm. um and they need the teams that performed well to, to underperform and they need g2 to win everything so like it's uh Winter has a lot of weight, and starting off weak definitely hurts you. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, Fnatic sucked. The one thing I wanted to say about XL is that at the start of this bet, I don't think I ever said this on broadcast because I thought that it was too mean, <laughs> but I have never seen a greater AD carry support mismatch than I have Patrick and Targonus. Mm. Watching them play felt like i was watching two strangers play bot lane Mm. like to me it felt like that their ideology about how bot lane is played was so different that they just could never find success and i felt like that some like mickey patrick i think the reason why that bot lane looked good was because mickey had the exact same mentality that he has with hansama and i think that patrick has that same identity as well where he wants to win his lane right Patrick has been considered a top 80 carry in the league because he is a player that builds his own advantages and wants to play to win. And I felt like that Targamus did not want to do that at all, which is really surprising when you think back to his debut and like we were crediting him for having an unbelievably diverse support champion pool. And I felt like that he's a support player was like had a blend of styles of being able to play all in bot lanes and then range supports and then like just a, a mix of everything. And then to see him paired up with Patrick and having such a clash of identities and styles, I was shocked by how dysfunctional that bot lane was. And I'm not really surprised to see Targamus potentially get benched, at least based on the sources. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because like, I just didn't think that that bot lane could function. And Patrick just needs an AD, uh, a support rather that, um, that can enable him and play through a style that he finds success with. Yeah, I... I... I personally, like looking at that extra roster, I was one of the guys that was just not excited about this roster at all. Really? Because in my mind, 
like looking at it, I was like, these are players that they've they've done achieved high peaks in very very specific scenarios, and they've showed okay. nothing nothing that convinces me that they are going to be able to drive a team or be the engine behind the team that uh, that is winning. It's like I think about Vettel. Misfits was built in a way where everything, all roads lead to Vettel. He had Mercer yeah. and Zanzara and Shlatan, whatever jungler is there, to always, I mean, always back even him back up. in the day, Razzle right? too, right? It's like there was always, always someone backing him up. And I remember every time coming into playoffs, Vettel hasn't won a single best of five in his career. And that is a big question mark, right? It's not necessarily to put all of the blame or responsibility on a player like Vettel, but it's a question of how high do you rate the player? Sometimes players are just a victim of their circumstance and they weren't allowed to show more. Uh, But before they've shown more, I'd rather think less than more because I want to see rather than to imagine what someone could be. And I think Viteo in those playoff series, when teams begin to match whatever's going going on around mid, you know, I remember our game five against Misfits, like Viteo was playing LB and he was getting solo killed by TF and Niski just completely dominated and really, really like stepped up to the plate uh, in that best of five. And then uh, he lost there. And, and I think in the likes of Patrick, always had really, really strong regular season games when it came to playoffs, always fell short. He was in the context of working with Mickey and it was a player that I fucking rate super highly. And then there's Targamos and Flacket. Like that situation was a big fucking question mark to me too, because mm-hmm. like Targamos, I don't know who the problem was on that G2 roster, but they didn't play Yumi. They didn't play Lushanami. They didn't play any of these fucking bot lanes that Koi and, and Fnatic played. In, in that season, and they were sitting there waiting in the finals, and in the end, uh, uh, they lost uh, pretty hard because of a massive discrepancy in, in their uh, bot lane champion pool. And Targamos yep. didn't play those champions, and, you know, looking at the mic checks, it was always kind of quiet. As, like, preparing against G2, I remember that Targamos was playing so formulaic that we could use it to our advantage when we played against them. It's like he would right. like rally at very certain points around Pixel, wait for Yankos, and they would be so patterned the way they played and so stiff. And then they put all of these players together. I think Oruamne was, his stock value definitely went up a lot, in my mind, uh, due to them winning the, the split. But it was in the context yeah. of top laners not mattering as much. And I think Malrang really did a lot to, to, to make Oruamne look uh, better in, in those uh, playoffs. It's just all of these players, I think that they are not players that are going to have the foresight to understand what other players need in order to succeed. And I think there is this... Have you seen uh, this picture of the parables of the the long wooden spoons? Basically, it's it's basically a picture of a pot of soup in the middle and then all... Everyone, there's five people around this pot of soup and you have very long wooden spoons, like insanely long. And you can't, you can't, you can't practically eat out of the soup yourself with the spoon. And then there's this picture of all these people trying to eat with these long ass wooden spoons and they're just burning their own face and they're just fucking like trying to feed themselves. And then there's a picture right below where 
they're using these spoons to feed their brethren around the table. You know, they're passing around the soup with this wooden spoon because it's perfect for that. You need to, you use this long wooden spoon to feed your teammate. And then uh, it all is a very harmonious process of uh, how to conquer the game. But I felt like all of the players on Excel, obviously this is only speculation. I don't know what's happening on the inside, whatever. It just seems that very, like individual (laughs) players that are very used to a very specific circumstance where certain things are given to them and certain things are expected of them. And this circumstance was so fucking wildly different that all of them ended up looking very, very poor. Because always when you recruit players, you need to understand the context he is performing in. And are you going to recreate that same context or is it going to be completely fucking different? Then the result will also be really, really different on an individual basis. Fair. I would agree. Who do you think was worse, Excel or Fnatic? (laughs) Oh... XL, I think, was worse. Yeah. Yeah, I think XL was worse. But, like, yeah, it's one of those things where I was like, if I was to rate them, I would say that one was a one out of eight and the other was a two out of seven, you know? It was a- <laughs> two out of seven, one out of eight. <laughs> okay, okay, it's the result. I thought we were just... <laughs> yeah, it was the result, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I... Um, change needs to happen. I... I see your point, and I think it's a it's a nice button up. I think of Excel. I think it's a it's a good summary, and um, mm. the question then becomes like, often it's fascinating because like you've built teams before, mm-hmm. and um, there's that uh, you know the expression "too many chefs in a kitchen," right? Not yes, to yes. you know overdo the 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 cooking meme but (laughs) often the idea is that like you often only want to actually have like one or two superstars in a roster because if you have five superstars then they're all competing to be the star um and then you look at a roster like t1 and people argue well they've got five superstars and i would argue that like well actually i don't think that they all were i think that they have all become because of the roles that they have like grown into. And you think of like a player like Zeus at last year's Worlds, he was considered one of, if not the best top laner at that tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like that uh, T1 was consistently giving him resources. It wasn't like T1 was like a top side focused team every game. It was that Zeus was actually very independent and mechanically so talented that he could outplay his way out of a lot of situations. And uh, he has he was one that kind of earned that accolade as a result of his own consistency but that wasn't because of he was the demanding player in the same way you think about them like oh maybe they were a bot side focused team like well were they always that bot side focused team is that necessarily how they started was it like more of like that they started by actually making faker the primary carry and then as time went on they transitioned to becoming a bot side team then they slowly learned over time that they could carry through top and like i think that the way in which certain teams are built is that if you build rosters where players have an expectation around how they play from the start rather than players who are free to play whatever you end up with issues and i think that that's exactly what we saw with Fnatic and what we saw with um excel and i think that it comes back to some of the problems that you do inevitably have with veterans and i'm sure that you yourself have experienced both ends of the spectrum i remember the original giants roster that you took over right mm-hmm. um that later became vitality but like when that roster came in 
and like I'm just speculating here and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it felt like that all those players were very keen to do whatever. Like they'll take on any role, you know? You had a lot of players that were eager to prove themselves and you had a bunch of people that were down to kind of try a bunch of stuff. Um, and you contrast that to the fanatic that you had of last year or the last two years where you had veterans who had titles, finals appearances, international success to a degree, um, and their approach to the game and their opinions on how to play were probably very different because of their own experiences and what allowed them to win versus players who want to become winners. Mm. Um, and this is then when I look at a team like SK versus a team like XL, you contrast the two and SK doesn't have egos. You have a bunch of players that are all like, well, I'm inexperienced. Then another player's like, well, I'm also inexperienced. And then Marcoon comes in. is like, I'm the veteran of the roster. And this man only just started playing recently. Um, and it's, it's just like that roster is one that can be cultivated and built over time to just play to the needs of what is better at the time and have the freedom to be flexible contrast to an XL who, well, Patrick what is used to getting resources and well, Zerste is used to playing more independently. And then you've also got a VTO who's used to getting resources. And then Oduamne who wants to be able to be that carry role and throughout his career has kind of been a role player, but ideally wants to be something different. And like, you've got all these ideologies now competing, which I think, uh, inevitably hurt XL. So I think it's um, it's pretty interesting. It's not something that we often talk about because often you try to find that balance right between rookies and veterans. And sometimes I think you end up with the veterans kind of shoehorning the rookies into a specific play style. And that's, I think, the beauty of Yike where he wasn't shoehorned into any play. He wasn't like Yankos 2.0, right? He was his own mm. player and he did his own thing and he came onto the league and he played Graves, Belveth, kindred he's playing all these carries and he's willing to be that 1v9 and then the team enables him while also he can provide he can play the vi he can play the maokai and having that flexibility and not being i guess stubborn in a way mm -hmm. just gives you more opportunities to grow and just be a better team yeah i i would say it's it's always it always comes down to it's like the elite of the elite in like the the, the best players that we have in europe are players that are capable of playing anything and are very yep. fluid regardless of uh, the situation that they are put in. It's like, mm -hmm. I think of Mickey, I think of Hilly, I think of Elioya now, Caps. Um, I, like there's, there's a certain level of, like there's those elite players that you know they have what it takes to win a championship and you're willing to bet on them because they don't, they, they, their level of play surpasses context. Like they, they'll be able to find a way to be very effective in games and they'll either find ways to win through others and be effective that way or win through themselves. And some of the lower stand players, it's like when, when, when you, in an ideal, right? It's like looking at G2, I don't think that there are some defined roles there. Sure, they have some, some draft specific patterns, but I feel like, you know, sometimes Yak has a pop-off game, Hansama has a pop-off game, and everyone knows how to adjust to it. Sometimes Caps has a pop-off game, yeah, and everyone yeah, yeah. kind of transfers the pressures very fluidly in that gameplay. Same thing with T1, and I think this is where League of Legends is heading. It's heading in that direction where you need to be able to adapt to the state of the game, and if you're capable of ad adapting to the state of the game, you have then a lot more opportunities to be a lot more flexible 
in draft. Yeah. And I think that Probably, you can't yeah. you can't get away anymore. It's like what we did last year with Fnatic. We didn't get away. We got away with that very long because we had some very strong players, and we got away with playing the same way over and over again. We got we got third place, and then we beat T1 once. Uh, we almost beat uh, EDG. Uh, we beat C9 once, but then coming into the second week, everyone fucking knew what the fuck we were doing. Yeah. And I know that a lot of the Fnatic fans out there, they thought, oh, this was our chance to get out of groups. We should have played better. But the fact was we were hanging on by a thread and we didn't have a lot of flexibility at all in terms of what we did that split, right? And right. it comes down to the initial thing that I mentioned about Mad Lions. What I like about them is they didn't necessarily, they're not trying to put Hilly in a box. They're try, not trying to put Niski in the box. They're, they're allowing them to expand on how they're playing because they have a very at least in my mind, a very long-term goal. They want players that are very flexible and are capable of playing everything, and they don't want to be defined by a style. And I think that's also important. It's like Mad Lions didn't play fucking TF, Rise, and fucking Lissandra every game and just played for Elioia and Invades. Not really. It's like we saw many different sides of Niski, many different sides of Hilly with the MIDI supports, with the range supports. And I think that's Mm -hmm. also important to have... The capability within the team to allow players to expand on those abilities but of course if you're working in the short term and you want results it's more effective to just lean into what players are good at and i think that uh, in that team building process there needs to be two things it's like you mentioned you know you need to look at the abilities of, of players and then you need to think about what is the potential ceiling of a player uh, as they uh, progress through the season and what kind of resources can you invest into someone in order to, you know, make it work. You yeah. know, uh, 2021, when we signed Adam, it's like all of my effort and Shaze's effort and everyone's effort was trying to help Adam uh, uh, understand which waves he needs to hover into mid, how to transfer his pressure, how to play around jungle. This was like, we were repeating the same things over and over again every single day. And uh, his his strength was playing these crazy-ass champions like Darius and whatever the fuck and just leveraging his matchup knowledge and his his mechanics to to get advantages. So we focused on his weaknesses and tried to uh, make him adapt to that. And... uh, his his strengths we tried to to keep intact and uh i think everyone is in that process of trying to explore ideas to make your players as complete as possible but sometimes in the short term when you need to have results you need to fucking look at what you can do and not invite a vitality alfari gp because we were just not good at defending level three dives top and we sucked at it so you just stay away from it, you know? <laughs> so. yeah, 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 right, right, right. But again, that just comes back to the whole plugging of the ship, the sinking ship, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. For sure, well, yeah. I inevitably think that they need to change Excel and Fnatic, and they are making changes. But uh, an opinion I did hear, uh, well, to say that, like, this is an opinion from Whippo, because I don't want to misquote him, but something he made me think about was he was talking about how like the split is exciting and he's like but he also would have liked to have seen like if it was a longer split how this fanatic was able to bounce back and, and like you've been in positions on fanatic where pardon me your first half of the split is something like a three and six performance mm-hmm. and then you actually bring it back in the second half i think there was like uh 
there was one split where you your first half was something like three and six and then you ended 11 and seven or something ridiculous like that it was yeah so like sometimes the advantage of a lengthy split is that you do have that time you have a lot of scrim opportunities to be able to resolve some of your issues but on a shorter time frame uh you don't have that opportunity and you then have to wonder like are these roster changes too knee-jerk you know Hmm. are they uh is it a good thing that you get to recognize these issues earlier and then make adjustments? Or is it a bad thing that you're not actually giving this roster enough time to be able to focus on fixing the issues and the potential is really there? And something you mentioned as well, I forget exactly where I heard it, but you talked about the like, what players can you even get right now? ERLs are in full force. There aren't really any import opportunities because any players that might be available are likely already competing right now. Uh, who Like what, who could you potentially buy out of a contract right now? Like who's going to sell the player in the middle of a season, right? Yes, so like yes. your opportunities are also very limited. And so even if what you currently have isn't working, are you necessarily going to make it better by making a knee-jerk reaction change? Like this is a very new experience for a lot of teams and a lot of um, players. And so I'm very interested to see what actually happens to XL and Fnatic and if what seem like very sudden changes actually end up paying off for the teams as we move into spring. Yep, yep. No, for sure. Uh, I, I I agree with that notion 100%. Uh, like, the anxiety and the stress of the split only being three weeks and you... Like, it, it just tastes and feels a lot different because oh, yeah. the, the contrast is, it's like, it's the equivalent of being in week seven and then walking into week eight and the psychology of, of, of what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve, it's all short-term driven, emotionally driven, and yep. it is a very, very stressful situation to be in if you walk into a Super Week knowing you have to win all of those fucking games. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And f- for sure now, and when we had to do it uh, last year, when we had to win three games straight and we lost the tiebreaker to, to Misfits at for seeding, it's like we had enough of a volume and enough of an understanding of what works so we could actually like piece together a really, really good plan. So it's like it definitely yeah. helped, you know, that we had volume there. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, 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 it's interesting. Limit. What do you think about Limit, uh, Various? Last time we saw him was, of course, subbing in on BDS because they were out of competition and they wanted to send Erdota to uh, the academy. He got so fucked, right? Because BDS didn't realize that uh, you can't field that many oh, LA, yeah. former LEC players. So he was just benched. Yes. He was completely fucked I out of a job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's, uh, what's your take on Limit, uh, Varius? Uh, the last time I remember Limit, I think, was it Schalke? Was it Schalke like, or SK? In my head. Well, I mean, in my head, the, the, the time I remember Limit was, was Schalke. Like he... I can have a look on Leaguepedia and see exactly when. So he was uh, Schalke season eleven, yes, with the with yeah. the Alistair games, fourteen Alistair yeah, games. The, the Alistair, exactly that Alistair. Um, uh, I remember him being a player that like engaged support, very traditional EU support, had his high moments, mm. but like never really left a notable impression on me. Um, he seems to be one of those players that is thanks to his experience largely has a good understanding of how to play the game like at lec level um but 
I don't see how like he is a player who's going to dramatic. Like, which team is he joining now? I forget which. Uh, XL. That's the rumor. Oh, he's the, ah. So Tagama's right, right, out. Right. Limited yeah, yeah. is the rumor. Well, I think that he'll complement uh, Patrick better than Targum as well. Agreed. At yeah. Very least. Um, whether or not that would be like a dramatic upgrade, I don't know. Because like the way I see this XL team work is like you basically have to play through bot, right? Um, I also think that the support meta needs to change. I seem to remember Limit playing some range supports. Uh, I don't think he was incapable. I never thought like I just think he's like a solid support, but he never really like left a massive impression on me. Uh, uh, I, I, the Alistar is the big one, right? It's like I just remember some like yeah. hex flashes and some Alistar combos. Sorry, I interrupted you, buddy. So what were you saying? Uh, the only thing I was going to say is like I think that he will work better with Patrick did than Targamus did. Do I think that this suddenly makes XL a good roster? Mm. Not really. Yeah. Um, but uh, like, hey, you, technically, from XL's perspective, they only need to win two more games than they did last split. Mm. Um, and their probability of qualifying for playoffs is uh, higher. Yeah, they're in, a, in one of those boats where um, it's just... You have to make some kind of change because it's just looked way too bad. And I yeah. welcome this one. Yeah. Sure. It seems like uh, my my internet. Uh, it seems like I have some packet loss. Uh, no. I have some packet loss. Let's see if it calms down. I'm at one percent. It's definitely Twitch EU. Could be Twitch EU, maybe. Uh, more pauses than a fanatic game. Twitch Twitch is lagging. Nice. I'm out. Well, uh, I won't miss you. <laughs> oh, <All> good. <laughs> Um, Take care. Have a wonderful Monday. <laughs> so we covered XL. We've covered Koi, Fnatic. What you feeling next? Mad G2. We've done them all. Uh, what teams do you want to talk about? We've been speaking for nearly two hours now, Jacob. Two hours so, already? Uh, no, bro. We have, yeah, we started we have, a what? We have a lot we, to cover still. We, let's go X. I was going to say, like, how long are these episodes normally? Because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you need to leave? No, it's not that like I need to leave. Okay, but, then you're uh, staying. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, of course I'm staying. Let's do SK. It was, it was more just like, I don't know how long your podcast normally go on for. Like, are no, we running long for one of your episodes? It can be hours or? if you want. It's no problem. But okay. like, this is okay. the most scuffed podcast on the planet, so. I mean, let's, do you want to just do like the middle of the pack teams? Because like, frankly, there are like some positives, but. Let's do SK. What do you feel about SK? Talk to me. I mean, I'm really excited about SK. I think that their core, funda- like, the baseline with which they're starting at, very good, mm. in my opinion. And, like, they seem to be, uh, for a start, they're a very wholesome team. And I don't mean to be, like, the whole, they're really nice guys, you know. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> you remember Squiggly um, when we were at yeah, the, <laughs> the fish He's <laughs> probably a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he entered, probably a really nice guy. <laughs> He's a really nice guy. Really a nice wiggly guy. or squiggly. It's the, it's the it's the it's the backhanded compliment, isn't it? Yeah. It's the hey, listen, really nice guy. <laughs> However, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think um, I think that uh, SK's ceiling just seems very high. All I hit like so. This is a, my favorite stat of the split, right? was we were looking at solo kills top lane, right? Mm-hmm. So Photon had something like five, okay? And then Adam had something like six, right? But then when I looked at the graphic, it came up and it said Adam was the second highest of number of solo kills. And I was like, what? 
But I swear, all I remember is Adam like solo killing everyone. How is he the second? Who the hell's the first? And then the stats person came back and said, oh, it's irrelevant. He has seven. And I'm like, what? <laughs> irrelevant has seven solo kills? Must be these fake solo kills, no? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can support no. like, something like this. Well, I mean, I normally uh the i mean it might be like solo kills uh, there's not like a specific time constraint there's all sorts of situations in which you can get a solo kill because it's not necessarily just solo kills in lane um but also like outside of just that stat which i thought was like just like it caught me off guard was more that um every team that i speak to they all just sing praises of irrelevant they just say that like he's a really good top laner. His jacks ended up being like perma banned yes. against teams. I heard that it was absolute like destroying teams in scrims. Um, he seems like an incredibly flexible player, and I think that his debut on Misfits he was very good. Right, yeah. it was just that Misfits was just kind of like this this team that kind of lived or died by the success of VTO and then later Neon. That um, yeah, I guess his contributions were largely like not acknowledged, but. Uh, I think that he's a very good player. I think that the bot lane has obviously proven to be incredibly consistent. Uh, a lot of fans even like argue that they should be top three. I think that that's like regular season, sure. When you get into playoffs, I think that conversation is a little bit harder. Um, but who, I definitely see the argument. Who would you put top three argument. if not uh, SK in there? Well, this is the thing. Like, I still think, like, obviously people are going to look back at the the finals. Uh, but I still think that Kazi and Hillisang the conversation needs to be had about if they are the third best bot lane uh when you look at the split in its entirety i think that when you look at recency for sure it's fair to argue like they do not have the best performance um the problem is i can't remember the sk versus mad series um and i can't actually like there's a direct matchup between those two bot lanes all i remember from that was like hilly's rel and hilly's performance and i thought that hilly absolutely smurfed that series so i was kind of like well I think the Hilly's really fucking good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, right now my bot lanes would be like uh, Hans, Mickey, Comp, Trimby, and then it would be a toss-up between Xkick, Doss, and then Kazi, Hilly. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, but... I, I would have it the other way, but I don't think what you're saying is that completely crazy. I think, I think Hilly, Kazi, and regular split were definitely decent. I would just like in in my mind how I would rank it is Hans Summer Mickey first and then Exakick yeah. Dos second and then I would put oh. uh, a Comp Trimby probably third but then if I want to remember the regular season then it's like the conversation between Karzi Hilly versus Comp Trimby is it's just Karzi definitely like the Tristana game like he he was he was trying to make Hilly's three man engages into four man engages by also dying. <laughs> <laughs> like it that's was... fair. No, that's totally fair. That's that's a very fair argument. But then, like my my argument would then be like, if you were to rate them separately, how do you rate top three supports based on the entire split? Yeah, top three supports, I think Mickey, Mickey Hilly, and then Dos Trimby. Oh, you would rate Dos over Trimby. Interesting. Just uh, if I look at the the whole thing, right. That's like the main thing, because because even in totally. their even in their series, right? When when Koi two old SK, there was like a really big uh, jungle gap and uh, mm -hmm. like mid gap situation going on. Uh, yeah. Like even in that series, they they two v two killed them. I think twice. Like once with the Nautilus lane into Karma. It's like I don't um, remember. It's like if if I'm building a team, then probably like 
I will look at this different. But just judging off of performance, uh, I think DOS was super good. Like Trimby is, I think if, you, if you're walking into a new season, I think Trimby, Hilly, Mickey should be like the first three targets. Yeah. Uh, for, for, for players, for sure. That's fair. But it's, it's tricky, right? Because there's a lot of like good names there in that conversation too. There's like Kobe yeah, exactly. Younghoon. There's uh, oh, that's a fair point. Yeah, damn. Crown Crowny Labrov. Like they were also yeah. fucking good. It's like yep. It it kind of um, is uh, all in the air there for for who yeah, yeah. who belongs in the top three because Kobe was really fucking insane too. Like, oh yeah, I completely agree. He um, had a really good split. It's nice to see considering like how long he's been playing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you were. Were you his coach when he was Spice? Yeah, yeah. I, I had him as a rookie, actually. And, and we got second place. We lost against the G2. And even that series, yeah, that I was, remember. That was the Wonder... Uh, hang on, does... Wonder, Senkooks, Kobe, Mickey. And then it was Trashy. Was he Trashy yes, at the yes, time? Yes, yes. He was Trashy at the yes. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. You look back and you realize, like how good that roster was man <laughs> yeah yeah can, can you believe that in spring people wanted me to fire wonder <laughs> it's, it's crazy he was the original like he was like the trinity force fizz top player you know like the fizz yeah, top yeah. the camille top he played uh, the gps the rise he yeah. played was all over the yeah, place yeah. <laughs> those good times he played a lot of fiora too like insane amounts of fiora like he was yeah. super carry wonder back then it was, yep. uh, it was good times. Like, he was so fucking good. And then you had the, the Mickey Bard, like the, the OG Bard player. Yes, yes. One of the first in Europe to bring it out. And we were all like, what the hell? Playing Bard? Well, this doesn't make any sense. And everyone's like, oh, he's a solo queue god on the Bard. Yes, and then you yes. also hear about Mickey's story, the guy that had just been like, I think he was on the Fnatic Academy team for a while or like a sub or whatever. And he'd like playing from his... Uh, Misfits did a piece on him and it's really good when you mm. look at how like, the story in the background where Mickey came from, the fact that he got given a chance and the player that he is today. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, so Mickey, Mickey is a legend. Right. He, he's like, he grew up with like 15 sisters and they all like yep. live in his room. <laughs> like yeah. They had to play in this environment. <laughs> it was a yeah. completely cocktail situation. And he, yeah. he made it big. It's like, I found Mickey was- because of Dynamic Q. I was playing Dynamic really? Q with, with Spirit, Kobe, and uh, and then I, I played Phil mid top, uh, depending on the yeah. games. And then uh, we just needed support and we found Mickey. And Mickey, bro, like you could tell him one thing, like, yo, Mickey, you should do this next time. And he would just do it next time. He would fucking just <laughs> absorb everything like a sponge. And I was like, this this guy is fucking brilliant. Fucking great, man. Let's 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 get him in here, man. <laughs> Good times. Anyway, yeah, random tangent. But yeah, uh, SK. Irrelevant. Um, yeah, they're, they're a good team. Good team. I think yeah. that like their ceiling is pretty high. I think that they've got a lot of room to grow. And in the short time that they've been playing, I'm excited to see what they can do. Um, they they have, I think, pretty obvious flaws in that like, um, I think that right now they're a little reliant on, uh, well, I think that their early game just sucks. <laughs> like they lost early games to heretics they lost early games to pretty much everyone outside of that one vitality game where they actually just dumpstered vitality in the game that was the Carthus jungle one mm-hmm. um yeah sk are a team that has high potential and i'm excited for them in spring and i think people should be excited for them uh but 
uh, they they have things to fix, you know. But yeah, fourth place. I think the fact that they finished above Vitality is the biggest surprise. I think everyone expected Vitality to be competing in the top four. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, be, be, uh, before we jump to Vitality, like what I want to add, I think Exa Kick does really fucking exciting. I think Marcoon yep. when he played like Seju Elise, I think that was super exciting. Really, really yep. like had standout performance on those champions. I put Irrelevant as my third best performing top laner in regular split. Um, yep. And that was like above Chasey and that was like controversial in my stream. But I think Irrelevant did... He, he was... he was. I think he had really good awareness of how to pick champions that were correct in the game and rather than correct for his matchup, which I think a lot of top laners tend to do. I think in a lot of cases top laners pick champions that are going to be useless in the game just to have fine CS numbers and be strong at Herald, like with, um, with with some specific champs. I think Irrelevant had very good understanding of what his purpose was in the games, and I think that's a really, really big deal when you're a top laner. Um, the main standout for me, which makes me concerned for SK's ceiling, is just Certus. Uh, I think I think that the 2v2 mid and the 3v3s around mid have been like non-existent and a very yeah. big problem in my mind. There was some occasional games where Marcoon like hit some level three gangs into mid and Certus could convert like Akali and Silas positions, which I think yeah. is 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 perfectly fair to say. And he had some really good games on those champs. But I haven't yeah. seen enough to believe that Certus is going to be a player that that wins uh like the championship. I think that yeah. it's like if 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 he has he's, if he's going to have a similar trajectory like a player like Niski, I feel like he is like two, three years behind in that development, right? Right. Because now Niski, I think he's, he's performing really well and he's like expanding on what he is as a player. And I think that Certus needs to go through that process too. And this is only talking about the context of them beating the teams above them, right? This is just what needs to happen. The 2v2 needs to be a lot more precise. The 3v3 needs to be a lot more precise too because Exekick yep. and Dos have been very good when their matchup has been like only centered around bot and uh, that is not the game game when you need to play through mid and take control river that is a completely different meta and different gameplay it's like dos i'm looking at it right now he's six and zero on lulu he is a four a three and one on yumi uh, and this is what they went for extra kick played a lot of zeri games lucian games and these were the lane matchups that they played super super well in and yeah. when the game, when the meta for their bottom side is going to look different and maybe the gameplay is going to be around 3v3 mid, I'm going to have a hard time imagining them uh, outperform the likes of Trimpy, Trimby, Malrang, Larsen, or like G2 in that 3v3 scenario around mid. Uh, but I do think that Irrelevant has a, a good ceiling. I think Marcoon has grown a lot throughout this split, even if it was a short split. Like there was so much improvement from Marcoon's side and I think he's super good. Holding super good. My main question mark would be for Certus. How far along uh, is he in his development and how are they going to figure out this this main challenge in my mind? And that is how, like, early game is so structured around the 3v3 and how you connect with jungle support and how you do it around mid. When they've had a very easy time to just pass into bot with Marcoon and dive, then those early games always look fucking good. But if that's not the game plan, it looks a little bit different, right? But I think that's a very and this good is place where to I would, start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is where I would just argue that, like, 
they are a very young team and yes, it wouldn't surprise yes. me like especially like if you were their coach and you have a brand new bot lane to the lec mm. you'd probably also focus on making sure that they can compete at a level with which yes, they yes. can feel comfortable right and uh, it's probably a process where when you have so many young players and a new roster you just got to go st- like one step at a time and so this is where like i kind of look at the team in its entirety and i i think that there's potential there to for be sure. excited about yes, what yes. they could be right really good start i don't think they could have asked for anything more they, they had a really really fucking great start and yeah. really the workings of, of of something that can be dangerous the way i see it always is like oh they are there are some players here that you're going to see moving to teams in future off seasons that are going to be championship winners. That's right. like uh, <laughs> how, the lens that I always look at it through. That's fair. That's in fair, the man. past, it was like, oh, which players are going to go to Fnatic in G2? But right. I feel like that magic is, 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 is kind of, you know, in a different place. I'm sorry, Mitch. But uh, I hope you have good contracts on some of these boys. Okay, so I'm excited for SK. Yeah, vitality. Oh my word, the (laughs) the team, huh? Yeah. Where do we start with vitality, man? You tell me, man. There's the the man in the mid lane and his his jungler perks and bow. They were like a big story, I think, for a lot of the regular season. Obviously, Photon was like the top side was um, was probably the biggest conversation. But let's let's get to the juice, you know. Let's talk about the spice. Did their bot lane underperform? Yamano, what do you think? I think one hundred percent yes. Okay. It's like I, I had a high expectation from from Neon and Kaiser because yes. I think there was some specific. I I didn't have high hopes for them in lane phase because that was never sure. their like strength. But even their strengths were non-existent. It's like I remember many moments where Neon is like, "Oh, he has this moment now on Zeri. He has three items. He's going to do his thing, like do his Jinx thing, and just like play his champion good." But not even that, right? It's like he'd fucking jump over walls and just one shot with cleanse and flash up, and it's like it's just a very very bad look when it mattered the most. Uh, for for neons, so not even his strength shined through. I think Kaiser had like moments like a Brom game that looked good, like a Leona game, but that's about it. It's like Kaiser fucking lost so many games strictly from level one. I made a montage. It was five games where he just loses the whole bottom side level one, which wow. is an in- insane amount. Like how many games did he play in total in the season? I want to like count. So the nine and seven. So that is sixteen yep. games. It's like that's that's almost fucking thirty three percent of the games Kaiser just throws in the toilet. That, that is mental. That is a crazy number. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's one hundred percent right. I um, I think the reality is that uh, this bot lane, especially like Neon as a player, I think like a lot of people had different opinions on Neon. Where like you had this group of people that were like, he is not. Like his presence and involvement in Misfits is being underappreciated. And then when the Sivir Zeri meta was unlocked, people were like, we got to see him as like a side carry alongside V2. And everyone's like, this is what Neon's supposed to be like. It's about mm. time that he got his recognition. Finally, people are realizing how good this player actually is. Um, and then he joins Vitality. And it's a weird one. 
to sit there and argue that they don't get resources because I would argue that like Bo isn't the type of jungler that like plays around a specific lane. To me, he's never seemed like, oh, I'm like a top side focused jungler or like I specifically play through mid. To me, he's very similar to Maorang in that he just looks at the map and he finds opportunities. Mm. And if he sees a good place where he can gank, then he'll gank it. And he, the way he navigates around it, I mean, you came on the show and you demonstrated how he circumvents vision, right? And the way that he right. leverages fog of war to find, to find picks, right? And so like, I would argue that you can probably go through the split and you can find examples of him like trying to play through bot, trying to get bot advantages and and trying to enable them and the, the typical four-man dives, three-man dives that you would see on the bot side of the map was something that they tried to do. I just think that in the straight-up laning phase, the bot lane was bad. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think that that was one of the biggest surprises uh, that, that hurt Vitality overall. And I think that when you have a roster that's like, um, I don't want to say like very dependent on Bo's success because I don't think that that's entirely true because I think that when I think back to their their losses a lot of it ultimately came down to like what I would attribute to communication issues where like it seemed like they weren't entirely on the same page yeah. some of their barons were really good at the start but I, I remember saying in the regular season Vitality haven't convinced me yet none of their games look clean None of them are like, they get an early lead and then they execute. Something always goes slightly wrong somewhere. Mm. And I would never argue that it's a consistent thing. But like, Perks had like really great games, then he also had really bad games. Bo had some games where he was like, I mean, do you remember the 0-8 Vi yeah, performance? Right? And, and then they, they won. <laughs> yeah, and they won! And you're, <laughs> and you're, and you're just kind of like, and they finished first at the end of the, the regular season, and, and like, Vitality was just this roster that you wanted to believe in, but you could never really be convinced by them. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, that that's the thing that's kind of always bothered me about this team, where like they have these moments of brilliance where you look at their first game against SK. Oh my God, it's beautiful. The way they're gaining early advantages, the way the bow is moving around on the map, his Elise is looking good, everything's looking clean. And then like one bad play after another bad play after yes, another yes. misplay here after another, and you're just like what what i remember thinking to myself um funny enough i was <laughs> i was sitting in a call with mitch and we were like we paused the game at like 21 minutes and uh and i was like mitch vitality have like a 7k gold lead over sk right now and he's like yeah but i'm like i feel like they could just do baron he's like oh yeah they could <laughs> and i was like why aren't they he's like i don't know but it worked for me because sk won <laughs> yeah, that game like, was like, felt, mental they right? dove top felt, like what the right? fuck happened that game it, it just felt like they had no idea how to push that lead like game one should have just ended it should have been over and they just had no idea what to do um and like i wonder how much of this came down to communication issues i wonder how much of this came down to like just individual misplays like it's a team that seems to have a lot of the pieces needed to be a strong team i can see neon being that weak side player and kaiser being the type of player that can group up with his jungler and then looking to make plays around the map like he used to with el yoya um the problem is you need good communication. You need a good understanding of how to be able to do that. And right now, I think that that's the thing that they're lacking. When you have three different languages on that team, English, Mandarin, Korean, like communication is always going to be a struggle, right? Um, yeah. And uh, I can't say that I'm necessarily surprised by the mistakes that we're seeing from them. 
But the ceiling is definitely there. The potential for this roster to be very good is definitely there. But I think that that's always been the case with Vitality, where you're just like, oh, I can see how this team should be good. And then they just never are. You know, I, I, I looked back at like the regular season games. And for me, in the regular season, Photon was the clear MVP for me over any other player in the whole. Because he, he's, Damn, he, he, he like, like in the regular season, like not in playoffs, in the regular season, sure. like he had Gwen games, Jax games, Gragas games, Nar games, yep. where he was just straight up carrying whatever bullshit position his team put in, put him in, in terms of just superior fighting, superior laning. He bailed them out so many fucking times. Like he yeah. he he was the man that in my mind was like the, the just by far the best player uh, on that. Uh, uh, on that team in terms of regular split right. performance, especially after Bo had his uh, vice stance in, in the last uh, Super Week where he just uh, kind of ran it down in, in a lot of those yeah. cases. It has like this element of, um, like at one point, like especially th both of those game twos where we saw a Nidalee and a Kartus, that was them thinking, yo, our ball lane is fucking trash. Let's try to fucking 1v9 the game. And I don't know where this day came from because they just walked into the game with so low odds because of how that was. But it kind of speaks to the psychology of <laughs> the players. I think Photon overperformed and won a lot of regular splits games. But then Jackspan mm -hmm. started to come in and he didn't have like a clean a way to have like really good matchups. Like he was trying to like 1v9 on Olaf and he was trying to fight with Jax when his bottom side is like 0-3 and he tried to like carry so to speak and he just looked worse uh, doing so uh, also like listening to vitality's mic checks is like you get a headache it's like they are fighting and they're just shouting and repeating the same words over and over again and it's like that's like a part of that process right and in every right. interview each vitality's player saying we are not figuring we don't know how to play together well we're not figuring it out it's very messy in the game and I think this is also like a core issue. I'm so happy that you brought it up because I want to do the same, right? Because it's so easy to just isolate the bot lane as a problem, but they had yeah. a lot of fundamentals, fundamental issues in terms of how they actually closed out games when um, when they um, had like bot lane, a bot lane situation that wasn't completely on fire. Yeah. And uh, I think there was this mic check that was so such a stark contrast where Vitality was fighting against SK and then like Vitality, ah! And then it's like you, and then you tune into SK's comms, and it's like, haha, I polymorphed him. We can push, we can win. And that was just dos. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. It's, it's like <laughs> comms in league don't need to be that big of a deal. It's like usually yeah. the, the, the most important comms are like just information that is valuable towards the decisions that you're making. It's like, oh, they have no flash, we're slow pushing. Oh, I have item in this gold. Oh, uh, in preparation for this fight, we should always kite backwards. If, if Zeri is hitting, we're winning. Okay, oh, that's nice. Like, you don't need to fucking, ah, you know, there's, there's not a fucking, you know, not an adrenaline dump situation into the microphone, you know? It just makes it uh, harder to execute for sure. Yeah. And it's like, um, there's this big conversation always. I, I, feel, I feel like this whole winter split has been the biggest advertisement for upset. It's like, this is like billboards on fucking Hollywood Boulevard level of advertisement. You know, it's fucking, <laughs> it's like, 
I think everyone's imagination, they're thinking, oh, Vitality with Upset could be amazing. Imagine Mad Lions had Upset. Imagine Fnatic with Upset. And it's like, you know, a lot of people are talking about how, oh, he should just play with, with reckless support. It's like, in my mind, it's like Upset can, can wait and just pick the best situation for him. It's like, on, on what planet should he, you know, risk anything for the short term? He can just wait uh, everybody out. And I'm, I'm sure that... Uh, you'll end up on a very, very strong position because this stonk value has gone through the roof. <laughs> sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. And like AD carry seems like a generally stacked role. So when you get yourself a good AD, um, you want to make sure that you can hold on to them. And I'm like, I don't think G2 is considering getting rid of Hans anytime soon. I yeah, guarantee you that. Like, for sure. <laughs> Koi, Koi should be pretty happy with comp right now. You yep, know, yep. his position's pretty secure. And so then like when you're upset and you're looking at all these potential options... Uh, you just need to wait for the big teams to come to you, right? Because yeah, yeah. they, they should feel like no pressure. Um, but yeah, Vitality is a team that... Um, uh, I'm glad that we have a player like Photon. Same with Chasey. I'm glad that like we see an opportunity to show the presence and impact of top. I think that for the league overall, it'll do a lot of benefit. Um, and I hope that over time, Vitality can continue to improve. I definitely think that the ceiling is there and the... Uh, communication you expect to only improve over time uh and the question is can they do it in time right uh right now i don't see this roster being good enough to necessarily win a title in spring but maybe mm -hmm. around summer we can uh see the true potential of this roster maybe with enough time then we'll uh we'll see them but i just hope that we see more and we we see improvement that's all we can really hope and expect for when it comes to vitality now because um I mean, we need to, right? Everyone expects sure. them to finish top four. <laughs> SK beat them 2-0. And, uh, yeah. I don't know. Vitality just doesn't look the same ever since uh, they got rid of their head coach that uh, took them to, to the World Championship. It's just, it just cursed. <laughs> when you don't re-sign Yamato when he's interested, it's just really cursed. <laughs> but can, we, can, we, can we just take a sec? So, when did you depart Vitality? So... I left Vitality after 2019, and we made playoffs. After 2019. So we were 6th and 5th in spring and in summer, and we had like yeah. a, a rough year after the 2018 Worlds. After right. that, so I, I'll tell you the whole story. 2020, yeah. they didn't make playoffs at all. They were yep. 9th, 10th. Yep. And then, then they made playoffs with the self-made roster, but they lost yep. against mm -hmm. me. With Fnatic, with Upset and so forth. Yeah. And then the next year, they had the Alfari roster. And then once again, they didn't make playoffs because yeah. Hilly and Upset are just too good at the game. You know? Right. <laughs> so it's and really, then you, really and cursed. Then, <laughs> and then with Fnatic, you had a third place finish. And what was it? Was it a spring? Was a fifth? Where was, where was spring? Uh, spring was third and then summer was third we got back to back okay. third so back to back thirds and you made worlds right last year you definitely were yes, there, yes we, we worlds the, yeah the, the 3-0 week one um, and then you get kicked from Two Fnatic I, no, it's not, 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 kick time putting the words in your mouth you and Fnatic parted ways yes yes I didn't um, get uh, resigned. <laughs> yeah, yeah and um, they uh, don't make playoffs so Every team that doesn't have Yamato has Yamato and then doesn't have Yamato has failed to qualify for playoffs. 
Of course, I, I was just making a joke. There's a lot more to it. I mean, it's it's anecdotal data, <laughs> yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, it's 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 results-based analysis, I'm sure. The, I don't want to hog everything because it's like Ops is in the chat, Zook is in the chat. Like These yeah. guys were essential, you know? <laughs> Apparently, like, upset kicked out vit- kicked Vitality out of playoffs every time. Because <laughs> we lost upset, I think, in... Um, we lost to upset in 2018 against Schalke, where they lost the finals to Fnatic, and then we beat Misfits in third, and then also we lost against them in 2019. Fucking Skarner. What was the Vitality roster in 2019? 2019 was Mowgli. Mowgli, Cabo, Uh, Jack Troll, Attila, and uh, and Jizuke. Yeah. I remember. Amazing Skarner. (laughs) <laughs> Who was coaching that 2018 Schalke? Mitch the legend. That's a lot of that. Good banter, Yamato. Good banter. What was, what's the next team, brother? What are the teams that we're missing? We are missing. Uh, how about heretics? Heretics. heretics, BDS, and Astralis. Yeah, yeah. The middle of the pack teams. Mm. The collective. The 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 what fifth through eighth, I guess. Or what, which one you want? Seven? Team heretics first. I mean, I think heretics is really easily summarized as a team that like <laughs> they like the opposite of SK. Really good early games, terrible late games. Don't know how mm. to win a game. <laughs> <laughs> the, the number of times that they're able to find advantages. Yankos, like, I remember this one game where Yankos was involved in like 13 uh, of the team's 14 kills in the early game on his Sejuani and uh, yeah. fucking lost that game. <laughs> and yeah, Yankos is like sweating for his life. Have you seen that meme? You know, the like, the guy going like, bum, 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 and then he yeah, cuts yeah. the other guy <laughs> dripping sweat, and that's Mal- that's yeah, Yankos' Sejuani just dripping with sweat, for, like ganking top, ganking mid, going everywhere and i forget who he's even playing against but they were just chilling you know what i mean oh man yeah yankos yankos played so well the split he played yeah, so he well monster absolute monster i think like team heretics i think their edge above the teams that was below them was that they recognize like they seem to have better mental than the teams below them and also they seem sure. to recognize that they're not doing so well so they were like slamming the the biggest band-aid champions in the meta which is like Kesante and azir would just completely like tries to it just does its best to hide any fucking weaknesses that you have because the lane phase of Kesante is pretty fucking straightforward and i think that uh azir it's like azir my man played seven games of azir and nine games of <laughs> Kesante. yeah and i think they struggle a lot bottom side it's like i feel bad for jack spectra because he just happens to have his rookie split in a class of many fucking strong ass bot laners. Yep. And it's like usually you want to give a player like Jack Spectra some time because he seemed to be like warming up to what it means to play in the LEC. It's a big fucking shock. It's a big shock. A lot to take in. You move to Berlin. It's cold as fuck. Gray as shit. If you don't like smoking shisha, what the fuck are you gonna do on your free day? <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's a lot to fucking take in. Yep. And. and and it's like they they started playing better. Mercer was never that kind of a lane type of guy. We saw like a Draven game. That's cool and so forth. But I think Jack Spectre for his rookie splits. I think that's 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 like perfectly fine. And I think if Team Heretic somehow is gonna find the new ceiling 
that is because Jack Swexter begins to play better and better. But I think for for Ruby and Evie, I am just not sold at all on, on these guys. Mercer also up in the air. He had like a fine Heimerdinger game here and there. But I think Jankos is a damn legend. I think Jankos, if he, if he was moved to some of the other teams in the league, I think he could actually like improve them. It's like, I could imagine a world where if if Jankos and Razork like switch for some reason, that's like an improvement for both maybe. It's like you have a bit more flair and then the more consistency from Jankos' side. You know, I think Jankos is a fucking legend is what I'm trying to say. I think this guy should be fucking uh, appreciated for, for what of a player he is. And I think he did uh, super, super well uh, on this roster in terms of like the, the early games. Yeah. I think Jack Spectre deserves some more time, but I'm not sold on on Ruby and and Evie so far. I I'm a little more sold on Evie, um, only because Kisanta's getting nerfed, that... dude. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I think that uh, he demonstrated an ability to leverage leads, not consistently, but I think that he did. And I think that when you kind of look at the top lane options in the league. Um, I think that he, I think at least based on the regular season, you can make an argument that he was in the top end. Like Ooh. if you're looking at top five top laners from the regular season, um, I don't know, I mean, brother. There's four. I mean, that's JC, okay. That's, that's broken blade, irrelevant, thin. Okay, even. but like if you, if you just look at the regular season, like Chasey really wasn't that impactful, right? Chasey was kind of quiet during the regular season. It was in groups and playoffs where we actually got to see. Like, Chasey was just a role player, no? Chasey was, 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 was for sure better than Evie. I think, I remember Evie's like Renekton game. I remember his Jack's game. It's like even sure. his last Kisante game was like, this is, this is just exposed at this point, you know? I think. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, you know, you and me, we both love the history of DFM, like I was so sure. fucking hyped when Evie came into here, dude. I fucking, I was excited, you know. I love, I just love the fucking bro. My man beat EG for us on NAR, and he was playing like an absolute <laughs> psychopath. So we didn't need to play a tiebreaker, you know. God bless him. I love Evie, but I was not a big fan of his impact. I think rough. Yeah, that's fair, man. Okay, Rough. that's fair enough. I mean, the reality is, I think that like when you look at Astralis, BDS, and um, Heretics, um, there are small, there are elements to each team where you can sit there and be like, I think this part was good, but like it's minor relative to the bigger problems that the rosters have, right? Mm. Pardon me. And um, it's, I very much agree with you on the Ruby point. He seems like a very avid control mage player that doesn't seem to have a lot of flexibility in terms of what he brings to the team. Um, and I think that the team is like very disjointed in terms of how they, I mean, we already briefly touched on it, but their ability to use a lead and then convert it into an actual game-winning state. Um, yeah. And if it weren't for Yankos, I think that their season could have looked much worse than it ended up being. Mm -hmm. Which then just goes to show like, how integral Yankos has been this split, uh, and how important he is to the success of this team. Um, but like, it's one of those things where, like, 
what direction am I supposed to go with with all three of these rosters? I think that they are currently middle of the pack teams. I think that in all three cases, their ceiling is gated by the fact that there are different elements on each roster that I don't know how they necessarily overcome, whether it be draft limitations or like their specific play styles or like inconsistencies. But I think that whether it be BDS, Astralis or Heretics, they all they have different problems, but each of them have their own respective problems that I think I don't really see how they necessarily get solved with the rosters that they have, unless the meta dramatically changes, and mm -hmm. which which case then shapes up how the game is played. That could be enough, but it's hard for me to believe that any of these rosters, based on what we've seen, is enough to like knock an SK or a Mad or a Vitality out of that top four spot. Yep, yep. So, so Astralis are making the change in in the mid lane position. Which yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, honestly. What, what, what is your take on on, on the leader uh, hopping in uh, to to game? That boy. I mean, the problem for leader is um, he uh, he has a perception that exists around him, right? Mm -hmm. um, he's like, this is a weird fun fact, but he actually used to play Lost Ark with me. Um, oh, damn, okay. He was he was a part of my core static. Uh, we did Vicus blind together. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, like with a blindfold? No, I'm just kidding. Continue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, actually, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, he um, he's incredibly dedicated to improving, and like I've always thought that he has like a really good mindset. But every time he's given an opportunity, I feel like that he never really moves people away from the perception that they have around him which is that like he can only play very specific champions people have this perception that he is toxic mm -hmm. right and difficult to work with and anytime he joins a team he then doesn't stay on that team for very long right but he's clearly good enough to be able to compete in lec level individually i don't think anyone's ever criticized his ability it's always just been a matter of like how well does he integrate himself into a team and i think that his whole career has been trying to shake off this perception and like I've never played with him on a team, uh, so it's unfair of me to comment on exactly what he's like to work with. Well, you have. Um, well, you, I mean, you I feel like us blind. Come on, man. You, <laughs> <laughs> I, it was funny because when we were doing raids together, the boss's attack patterns were named after league champions. So like there were attacks where the boss would like spin and we'd be like he's doing Garen. Like they threw out feathers and be like he's doing a Zaya. When you get a knock, it'd be like oh he's doing a Yasuo. Okay. It was funny. Fun fact. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh but um yeah, I mean like he's he's very chill whenever I was gaming with him. <laughs> but I don't know what that means in the context of uh of a pro player environment, right? Yeah. Um but uh, I don't necessarily know what he changes to Astralis. What does he bring that was necessarily different from Dior? If you want to sit there and make the argument that Leader is a better player than Dior, sure, okay, fine. I can be bored into that argument. But does he like change how they fundamentally play? Um, is he going to work better with one one three? Like, does does that mid lane jungle duo suddenly make Astralis a different team? Do they better enable their bot side of the map? Do they now feel that they have more options in draft? Uh, I don't really know what the shift will do like yeah. i don't i don't know I, a big thing for me right i i don't think the question has ever been if leader can play control mages because i think that is like the easiest class of champions strictly from a champion point of view to play on mid sure. it's like mid sure. of course consists of so much more than like playing the mages but yeah. looking at for example uh, g2 they're not playing any mages 
None at all. Sure. Uh, I see also, it's like a lot of teams are like shying away from it. And I feel like the, the pacing of the meta is so fast that I, see, I feel like there's a lot of games where Victor and Asia picked where they're kind of left behind in what they want to achieve and they can't keep up with like the game flow. And I think, sure. I think leader is someone that I've talked to and we've like, we've, we've conversed with one another about like working in the same two teams together because I'm very curious about the man. And I think that he has a very, very high mechanical ceiling from what I've seen. I remember like yeah. his, his, his time at Misfits when they like subbed in the team. I think that he had a better split than Viteo did on Misfits in terms of how similar they were in terms of what they did. It's like, I remember sure. some Akali games from Leader that were like mind blowing. And uh, we played the best of five against uh, Selfmade and, and, and Leader and that went to five games. And a big part of that was also, they like dropped Yasuo on us, Dryana Yasuo, and it was like a very complicated thing. And just watching Leader play in, in Champions Q, I, I think he's the type of player that um, he, um, he, he likes to be in control of the game and anything that doesn't allow him to be in the control of the game, I think that he's going to shy away from. Like my man still plays like Viego mid and then he like wants to fight with his jungle level three and leverage that right. and, and really, right, really right. connect with his jungler. And looking at some of the things that 113 has done the split, it seems like there's, there's like an idea to it. But I think... The best case, for, best case scenario for Astralis is that Leader makes this team awkward in a good way to play against. I think if you are right. on paper worse right, than right, everybody right. else, you need to make sure that you're an outlier somehow. And I think Leader brings that element of, of, of spice to it. And I think Dior, God bless the man, but I think... He just, in terms of fundamentals, lane phase, champion pool, there was just, he, he, he just was a liability most of the time. I think there was like one yeah. game where he played Silas, which I think was good, but I think Finn has been ramping up. I think 1-1-3 had some fine games. I think that, you know, considering where he came from with K-Cope, I didn't have high expectations of him at all, but mechanically he looks pretty, pretty decent. I think that for me, I think this is just uh, an upgrade even in the worst case scenario for, for, for leader in my mind. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess you could always make the argument that if you feel playing against leader, you always have to ban an Akali. That's an inherent advantage that you build, right? Hmm. Assuming that there's enough threats elsewhere on the map to compensate for the fact that leader's a potential player that you always have to target every game. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and I guess you're right in the argument that like we saw Finn performances this split where he like saved games, right? His mm. gangplank, for example, uh, and the way in which they they played through his cled, mm. um, and then we know that Cobb and Jonghoon overall had a great split, which means that like there are threat options on that team. And if the argument is, well, we felt like that Dior wasn't a player that actually like drew pressure or like was someone that teams ever really considered a threat by bringing in leader, he's someone that you have to respect because just on a mechanical level, he can compete with the best mids that league has to offer um and you have to shut him down or you have to invest resources to shut him down then that potentially unlocks 113's jungle champion pool so that he can consistently get comfort picks or maybe it gives finn the freedom to become that carry and mm. like there are those inherent advantages and and i can see the argument yeah um, yeah. 
And it just then becomes a question of, does this unlock them enough to potentially uh, shift? A, like if we look at where current standings are with SK in fourth, Vitality in fifth or something, give or take. Um, like, is Astralis now enough to be able to knock these teams off of their pedestal? Can they shift and move these guys out of the way so that they can take their spots? Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. That's that's for sure the, the underlying question. I, I just, in my imagination, I see a world where leader can like connect himself a lot more with what's going on in the game, with the bot side being volatile. And I, I feel like often if the enemy team was like playing through mid, then they would just be completely suffocated in what they wanted to achieve in the game. And I think that would be like the biggest thing. Because like Astralis, uh, was it against BDS when they dove top right I don't I don't think too highly of of nuclear int either and that's a team sure. also that doesn't play so well through mid and yeah uh, so they get away with doing these thing, things by playing through bottom side playing through top and I think leader yep. will be able to tune into that idea a little bit more but I can admit as well that it's like I I, I am pretty excited about see, seeing leader play I, I think that um, I just hope he he gets to take advantage of the opportunity. Yeah. You know, like he's been given a number of opportunities before and he wasn't able to shift people's perceptions then. Mm -hmm. um, and the only hope for him now is that he can use this opportunity to to turn heads and get people to pay attention. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Yep. BDS, Bruder Musas. BDS. What do you think about BDS? I mean, you already saw it. Bot lane, great split. Crowny mm -hmm. and Lebrov. Isn't it crazy how like you give some players just a slightly different environment and your perception of them changes dramatically? Mm -hmm. uh, Lebrov Vitality versus Lebrov BDS, very different look. I feel yeah. not that I suddenly think that like I'm putting in my top three supports, but that bot lane, very good throughout the split overall. They were a team that I think had a lot of options and flexibility in terms of how they approach the game. Their Ezreal Karma in particular, I think, was something that was very difficult to deal with. Um, and I think that Sheo had moments of brilliance. I remember his Wukong, Wukong game against, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Vitality, the zero and eight Vi. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <lost>. like, <laughs> that this is a team where like, I again, I, it's it's kind of a similar opinion that I have with uh, Heretics, where it's hard for me to properly judge how good this team really is. I think that like. It feels bad, but I feel like that I'm constantly giving them this kind of like, yeah, I I can see, you know, but it's kind of like that whole mentality of like, sure, it's like pretty good. Like, yeah, I can give praise to Crowny. I can give praise to Adam. There are positive things I can say. None of it's positive enough, like as a team to make me go, yeah, I think that they can win a title or yeah, I think that they're good enough to knock teams out of top four. There's like this potential, I guess, but when you have teams that... um when you have eight, well, when you have ten teams, someone has to lose, and this is just a team that I can't see unseating uh, the top four right now. Yeah. I don't believe in the ceiling of this team. I think that you make a valid point about Nuke Nuclear Int. Like he, uh, he just doesn't wow me as a mid laner. He has his moments, and he's had his fair share of like good games, but he's not the type of mid that I like. If I'm other teams, I don't come into a game and be like I'm scared of this mid laner. Adam's the one I'm scared of because you don't know what fucking champion he's going to play. And he's probably going to try and murder me with it, which is fucking annoying. <laughs> um, but they have annoying things. But the more you play against them, the more the teams get used to it, I feel. And uh, I mean, you've had the pleasure of coaching Adam mm -hmm. and being in that environment. And I'm sure that you had the advantage of being able to like take advantage of a champion pool. But then the more you take advantage of a champion pool, the more the other teams get exposure to it and the more in which they can react and mitigate its impact. 
and I forget which game it was um, where like he got it was the Australia series right where they just killed him three times in a row they yes, ganked yes, it well, that was the last yeah, game, got, the last BDS game of the season yeah, yeah, yeah that's the one yeah got ganked twice dove the third time um, and like there was nothing really Shio could do about it and just like hi yeah you know <laughs> if he can't kill you in lane then like outside of their bot lane what, what are you really afraid of in the other game so yeah unfortunately I think that Astralis uh bds and heretics are all just they're mid <laughs> they are the the middle of the pack that you're they are the team that gives you a good identification of like if you're convincingly stomping them then like i think these are the type of teams that give you a good idea of where you are relative to the rest of the league good teams usually stomp them if you're a middle of the pack team usually you have like close games with them and then if you're a fanatic in xl you well you lose to them <laughs> you I, I hate to do this during a, a conversation with my homie, but I just got 10 gifts to sub some mere Jungfrau man. Thank you very much. That is insanity. Thank you, the, man. That's con- really the, kind. This content is completely free. You didn't need to do that, but it warms my heart that you uh, swiped your card and gave uh, <laughs> subs to the channel. Thank you very much. Usually I, I reward people that sub with like a story about how they... So basically, I'll give you an example uh, videos. Give me one. So... Basically, there was this one night, right? Uh, I was I was outside, and uh, basically, three cars just pulled up, and they made like a perfect triangle around me, so I couldn't escape. And then right. a bunch of clowns came out of the cars with hammers, yeah, with hammers, and they said, yeah. "Jacob, we're about to break your bones." And what happened was, in that moment, Mayor Jungfrau Mann just came from the sky, from a rope that just came out of nowhere. He landed in the middle, all right? And then he took one of the hammers, smacked one of the clowns on the forehead, dish, and then elbow, boom, right into the tooth of one of the biggest clowns of them all. Boom, he fell into the car. All the other clowns, they started backing up, they got into the car again, and then they drove away. And then he looked at me and said, catch you on the flip-flop. And then he drove away in his Lamborghini. True story. No, I remember I was there. You were I there? I saw the whole thing. Yeah. Brilliant. Man. I was just about to say, I thought you weren't going to mention it, but like he then lent you that Lamborghini a week later. Yes. Right? Yes. And I needed to re- get to what well, get to a very cool party he invited me to with the Lamborghini. Yeah. 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 It's crazy, man. What a what a legend. What a legend indeed. <laughs> the fun part that clown's name Martin Linge sure <laughs> <laughs> he was also there you can ask him now. <laughs> they all had potatoes in their mouth it was weird you know. <laughs> probably BDS <laughs> <laughs> I think in my mind I think the two players I'm not sold on Shio and Nuke and in, yeah. in the context of breaking through, I think Shio, he showed, I feel like ERL, like, I feel like BDS have ERL macro. It's like, basically their macro is, we're going to group around mid and fight. I'm going to find like clean engages. I think the, the way they approach fights is pretty decent, pretty good. Uh, but sure. when they are forced to manage side waves and prepare around objectives, and it's more of a dance and the enemy is a lot more aware of what they want to achieve. I think those games look a lot harder for BDS. I think that uh, she was way too inconsistent for me to be 
uh, excited about him, had some good Wukong games, right? But that's like, you know, things were volatile enough in the game that his Wukong got to Divine Sunderer and then the champion kind of plays itself and he did really good in fights. Had really great Wukong right. games. Just that there's always that question of, you know, how real is this one game and how I'm going to rate uh, the, 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 the player off of that, right? And yeah, yeah. I, I think that Shio and Nuke, although they had like decent moments, nothing to convince me that they they are going to be players that thrive in many, many contexts. I think on the That's conversation fair. of Adam, what was impressive for me was that he, in a lot of games, he managed to get those same leads with the same champs and he managed yeah. to avoid ganks well and he managed to actually convert those leads into many things that were meaningful. Like his Olaf actually like connected in fights and did a lot of good shit. His Darius yep. carried games. I remember that game against Mad Lions. He got ganks from, from Shio on the Maokai. Maokai broken, blah, blah, blah. And then they yeah. got 2-0, had Flash and Ghost, and all of a sudden he kept killing Chasey and, and Niski on side, and then they snowballed the shit out of that game and, and, and won. Uh, so I think Adam, I think he is a strength. I don't think that necessarily he's play him playing these champions is a liability. He played five Olaf games, but in the end, everyone was playing Olaf. We, we had uh, uh, Photon played an Olaf game. We had uh, Breebie played a lot of fucking Olaf. Like, Olaf is legit. And um, could be that the meta and the context of the meta is very good for Adam because he, like, basically he just plays champions that have really high base AD and <laughs> base stats and they were big and, you know, thick and <laughs> fight like that. Maybe it's the context mm -hmm. of the meta. But uh, I've been very happy uh, with Adam. And then the question of Crowny and Labrov. Labrov has always been super good on the range champions. And I think Crowny is, has always been like the Caitlyn player, the Zeri player. I think this meta fit him super, super well. That's another sure. like big question when you think about those bot lanes with the experience from the past. We had a meta that was relatively the same since the World Championship. A lot of these bot lanes that are new and coming into it, they had big, big incentives to just keep practicing the same thing over and over again. And I think whoever did was heavily rewarded. Now the question will be as the meta shifts and the meta changes, who is going to be able to compete with the supports in the 80s that have had that longevity, right? It's like Trimby has been through many metas and always performed. Uh, Hilly the same, Mickey the same. And that is like where the real test uh, always comes in. Uh, and I think that's the test for SK bot lane. That's the test for Crowny and Labrov. Uh, Kobe Yonghoon, I think they've been around enough to to like put more like faith in that. But, uh, uh, you know, that's where it comes in again, where Yonghoon, uh, he he's going to be be forced to 3v3 around mid lane and that's why I like leader a lot more because if you're forced to do that with Dior currently, not so exciting. But yeah. uh, all in all, super, super cool. Do we do a little tier where list? Where do you rate them? Where do you rate them, Imano? I think that's perfect for, for our tier list conversation. Sure, if we can I, do a fast tier list. A fast but tier what list. are we doing? Are we tier list based on their performance throughout the split? Uh, we do a tier list of what we expect based on what we know, how they will place in spring. Oh, is that cool? Sure. Okay. So do, do you have my stream open? Because if yeah. I stream we, this to is you... There a, is there a top G? Is that what we have right now? <laughs> I didn't put <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. Oh, no. This is an S+. Plus. <laughs> okay. I, this was just something I opened. This is family-friendly content. So okay, obviously, good, good, everything good. happens. Fnatic is at the top. No, I'm kidding. Um <laughs> We said, where do we rate BDS? Where am I rating BDS? 
I feel like we need to I go mean, from top deep. to bottom, right? Just to see how sure, the matches I, I kind like of play top out. To bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want a G2 in the top, obviously. Yes, nice baby. Spots. And no one belongs next to them. Yes? Yes, correct. And right below? Mad. Mad? Mad. Mad and mad. And then next to mad, I'm putting SK. Ooh. So you want SK right next to mad. So you want SK above Koi. Yeah. Really? Hmm. I mean, I, t- I think Koi has hit their ceiling. My man, I think that they're not getting better from where they're at. Okay. Okay. Like, they're hmm. good. I think Koi will continue to be good. Like, they're a very reliable team, high level. Okay. You know? But I think that the ceiling of SK has the ability to to overcome. I think... Like, I guess I'm thinking of it more like, I know you've got, like, tier lists, but I guess I'm rating them, like, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Mm. And so right now, Koi is probably my number, my number four. Mm. based on like expectations for spring like right now obviously koi would be higher but expectations i mean because obviously we have results now which is mm. why yamato's asking me for my future expectations i think koi will will sit in four mm. okay okay I can, I can honestly i can kind of get behind that and rogues <laughs> sorry sorry where am i <laughs> rogue <laughs> s plus <laughs> <laughs> Well, Rogue beat G2 the last time, so... Yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, just going to put Rogue instead of Koi for... Because this is, this, this, this is no PNG on this one. This yeah. is... Yeah, I, I can see that. I think I am not super married to putting Koi third, so I don't mind putting SK third. I think that's perfectly okay. I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. This is, of course, with everything that we know so far. Like, if if, if yes. someone tells me tomorrow that Upset is on Vitality for some reason, you know, then it's like, oh. We can have another right. conversation. Hey, we have a yeah, conversation. We can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I'm putting Vitality in. It's number five for me. Right okay. Now. Expectations for next split. I think that individually, they are just, that's enough for them to separate themselves from the middle of the pack, mm-hmm. which is where I would then write, like, the heretics, the BDS, and the um, the Astralis. The source comes in with XL and Fnatic, and that's where we got to think. That's where we got to think. Because yeah. I don't know, Jacob. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're putting BDS and Astralis in the A's. Okay, it's weird because it's S plus S A, but it's like calling them A sounds weird. Yeah, I'm. Um, uh... Cause, cause here it's like Astralis versus BDS. It's like I'm, I'm almost down to put Astralis higher than BDS. Really? Yeah. Damn, bro. Is it because of the bot lane? It's like, bro. Even, even the last time they played against each other, it's, it's like Astralis. Astralis with leader, I think that's just a straight up upgrade. Yeah, but like photon, bro. Like, do you? I no, don't know, no, man. Astralis over like BDS, not over VIT. Not over oh, VIT. Over, B- over okay, BDS. Okay, okay. Not over VIT. Over BDS? Sure, sure, sure. I'm down. Yeah, I'm down for that. Sure, I'm totally down for that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. Mm. Okay, okay. Um, and then heretics and BDS, in my opinion, are basically in the same place. And then I mean, it's fine this. if you want. If you want to rate BDS above Heretics, that's fine. I have no issue with that. I honestly want to like put Team Heretics down a peg, even. So I think they belong in the in, in this tier. Okay, 
So the, 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 the big ones, right, are the roster changes and how do we think Fnatic and XL will improve, if at all? Mm. Are we taking gambles here, Jacob? Are we going like... Are we like, the roster changed enough? Fnatic now eight tier, is that what we're thinking? Or are we thinking... Honestly, in, in, in my mind, I'm like, there could be a world where there's a shakeup here at the bottom, but it's like, in terms of improvement i have like this strange feeling it's like i don't know excel it's like they were rumored as well to uh get rid of their coaching staff right that was the rumor they it's are like, yeah uh, yeah, yeah what, the fuck, the what the fuck is happening yeah. there like who who's going in there excel don't even have an academy team well what, what, what's happening there <laughs> it's, it's, it's like fanatic too well, like who, who who is going to be the fanatic coach like we we, we yeah. don't know this either i think in a world where excel are putting in limit i feel like there's a chance. I think there's a chance that Excel become a lot better through just one change, and I think that the, the, the changes. I think the changes on Fnatic is more like sicker mode, panic mode. You know. Okay. This is the hardest one because I can see a world where a Fnatic gets their shit together, and now they're in A tier. Yeah. And that's not to say that they're like necessarily an A tier team, but I could see them finishing above a BDS and a Heretics. I can see that world. But that's a gamble right now. Right now we're gambling on Fnatic and XL because we have like we have limited footage. And the footage that we do have, we would prefer to burn. You know, we'd yeah. rather not look look at that footage again. Like- so we gotta uh we gotta we gotta what we what are we cooking? What are we cooking? I don't know. It's like my my ah i think team heretics is gonna make it through base of vibes alone they seem to be like okay with being a little bit worse and i think they will maneuver that better okay i, I don't know if excellent fanatic are gonna walk into this split feeling so burdened about the previous thing because team heretics came into the first split with so much less expectations i feel like team heretics always kept their head on their shoulders in the way they drafted at least because they, they at least had like plans and they beat out both of these teams because they had... Uh, did they beat Excel? Honestly, it doesn't matter. Uh, wait, I can check you real quick. So Heretics is here. They beat Astralis, they beat Excel, they beat Fnatic, and they beat Koi. And they lost to everyone else. They lost to G2, they lost to Mad, they lost to SK, lost to BDS, and they lost to Vitality. Okay, okay. In the regular season. And then when I look at their group stages... Uh, bum, 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 bum. I need to go to winter groups. They lost 2 1 to Heretics and then they lost 2 0 to SK. Mm. And then in both, the, it was fucking funny because in the SK series, they got leads in both games and lost them both. <laughs> and I think game three against Vitality, there's a world where they could have won it. So this is one of those things where you're just like, I know that you kind of like, to me, Based on what you said and like your arguments for heretics, there's a world where, okay, let's say that their ceiling isn't particularly high, yeah. but they've got an effective game plan and they do what we're now going to call the Yamato strat of, well, if we get Lucian Nami, we'll be fine. You know? <laughs> and like, I'm not saying that they literally get Lucian Nami, yeah, but yeah. the concept, you know that what I mean? <laughs> you get that winning formula, and as long as you get it, you'll find the dubs. Yeah. But like results based, like they literally lost to, they beat the teams below them 
and they lost to the teams above them, right? And and when you look at the actual standings, you know, like Koi was literally tied for them 4-5. Koi had a terrible regular season, right? Mm. So like Heretics beat Astralis, who was below them. They beat Excel, who was below them. They beat Fnatic, who was below them. And they beat Koi, who was below them, which does make sense in our single round robin. You know, that, that does make sense that they would be above them. But like there was no like surprise upsets outside of perhaps the Koi victory. Everything else kind of went as expected. Heretics are effectively a predictable team. It's just a matter of how much do you expect them to improve. Um, so they're a team that like, I think it's fair to say they're a ninth, 10th team if Fnatic slash XL get their shit together. You, let's, how about we do it like this? Because it's like always it's be a ones. The matter's going to change a lot. There's going to be yeah. a lot of things in the air. Let's do like one bold ass prediction. Okay. What is your bold ass prediction? Like gamble, gambleroni. I'll gamble. I'll gamble on Excel. I'll say Excel will finish above Heretics. And okay. Fanatic won't get out again. Okay. That's my gamble. And it is blind. I'm basically putting it all on, well, in this case, black, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and Fnatic will be 10th, you're saying? Yes? Well, 10th, 9th, tied in that position. <laughs> yeah. And chat, that's a gamble. There's no yeah, it's gamble, analysis it's, there. It's, it's There's no bold. analysis. Don't come back to me in a month being like, you biased prick. And I'm like, I don't, guys, I don't, <laughs> I, I'm just flipping a coin, okay? You? And then I guess I need to drop a bold one too. I wanted to drop the XL comes through with, with the limit change and they'll be fine. Okay, let's put them in A tier then. Let's do it together. <laughs> this will be our, we're both going in. Excellent, yeah. Yeah, let's. <laughs> no way, Jose. I I guess it's like I, I have this feeling that Astralis is going to be competitive, and yeah, I have this feeling that Vitality will be struggling with the same woes, and it will bleed into this split. I think there's a world where Vitality is going to look uh, rough coming I into the next one. Diff, though. I yeah. feel like, yeah, that's my, my hunch. Yeah. Okay. All right, put XL somewhere then, because they're not, we're not putting them in detail, Yamano. That's not what we've done here. Where are we putting them? Like, are we creating a whole new tier to move teams down? No, I'm putting, I'm putting XL above BDS. That's what I'm doing. If you want to put above them in BDS. A... Above BDS? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Even XL that far? Above BDS. Damn. Oh, yeah, like, that's a massive gamble. Oh, no, I'm putting them in seventh instead of eighth. Like, <laughs> 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 so is it third or, like, third worst or fourth worst? Yeah. Oh, this is, I'm this going is... with the gamble. Okay. That's my gamble. That's my gamble right there. Okay. That they are going to beat out BDS. Okay. That's my gamble. Okay, okay, respect. We can and disagree. For, I'm fine with for that. For the sake of the tier list, so it's like we have a frame with the tier list like this. I will leave it like this. Is that okay? Sure. This is where we like uh, agree on some, so most levels, like ninety nine percent. Okay. I don't you know. Have a most gamble. of the comments. Uh, like my gamble is that Astralis is going to be like a juicer, and they're going to like okay. be dangerous. You know, all the comments to this are just going to be okay. You've just copy pasted the results, and I'm going to be like, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I've done. Yeah, is it? I guess it is. <laughs> yeah, but what else? That's when I look at. I mean, arguably, so the regular season, Vitality finished first, right? And then Mad was second, SK third, G two fourth. But that's a little deceptive because G two was six and three, uh, whereas Vitality was seven and two, right? But like that that clump of four. The only difference is Koi finished seventh at the end of the regular season, going four and five. Um, and then BDS actually finished fifth in five and four. So it is different. But when you kind of look at how the entire split played out, because you move into like the group stages, we had Koi and G2 at the top, which isn't that far from what we have. You then have SK and Mad Lions alongside them in the top four. So again, mm. you have your top four as we have it. Then you've got Vitality in fifth, which is where we currently have them. You have Astralis in sixth, which is where you currently have them. You have BDS in seventh, which is where we currently have them. And you have Heretics in eighth. Which is technically where we have them, but we're shifting them down to now be below XL. Yes, yes. So it is effectively just the results of this split. Yep, yep. I, I think it's it's like if if things played out correct, like let's say there's a meta where Brazzalini has champs who he can one v nine with. I'm sure Marek Brazza is a strong enough player to pull them through. Uh, I, I, like it, it's it's weird to it's always going to be weird for my brain to predict. A team with Razork and Humanoid uh, in it to go in the bottom two. But yep. we are going based on what we see, and things can change. And that's what's so fun about predictions is that we make them, it spawns interactions, and then when everything plays out, no one fucking remembers it anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> all, all good. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, like, like uh, I wanted to just justify my Astralis point as well. is it's just yeah go ahead it's like i don't see a world where it's like even if mid meta 100% is mages which i doubt it's going to be maybe oriana's buffed too hard or some shit like this even in the world if that's the case it's not like dior is like mage god lord and that's like a big mistake <laughs> then right sure. it's just it's just uh, dior seems to be s such a good dude man so i feel bad talking him down really but, nice guy you know like he's in a blessed position to really take a step back now and really absorb the experience he just had for the last one and a half years and really reinvent himself right and i think that's super yep. good for him and he should be happy that he got this opportunity right and what he makes of it is is a really key thing but i just think that it's not necessarily that i think leader is like god mode i think just having an upgrade there is going to be very positive for astralis because i think astralis had a lot a lot of elements about them that were dangerous and I was surprised that by the, the chat reaction that they are so surprised they are putting Astralis over BDS. Astralis smoked BDS. Yep. And yep. Um, and I think that uh, Finn, his first half of the split was garbage. And then he like stopped randomly inting at 10 minutes. And all of a sudden he's playing well. <laughs> and Kobe Younghoon was like supercharged. And I think 113 definitely had his, had his moments. I think that he wasn't like super, super terrible. Any final yep. thoughts here, Vedius, before we do one final thing and then I let you go? No, I'm good. Okay, we're good. So I'm going to just open up paint. Paint, okay. Paint. And then uh, we're going to make our... Uh, a little all pro team. Oh, God. Okay. You love this? <laughs> so this is for... All pro is always... The beauty now of all pro is I get to vote after the season has ended. 
You know oh. what I mean? So I don't get all of the hindsight Andes that are being like, why did you put Nisty over Caps? And I'm like, because I had to vote on the regular season. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> why are you yelling at me? I... <laughs> <laughs> do we start with the easy? So this is this is a gorgeous All Pro. Do you see this? It's beautiful. I think we start with the easy. And I think BGT. mid lane Caps. Yep. Mid lane Caps is first. I, I think there's no conversation there. Caps was an absolute machine, I think. I think after the regular season, you could argue that Niski was above him, but Yo, that's only the regular season. I think, I think that's a def, easy conversation. Yeah, that's a conversation you can have. Agreed, yeah. I think Niski's second. I agree. I agree. Who's your, your third? For me, it would be Larson. Is there anyone so. else? Uh, let me get all of the players up to make sure that I haven't forgotten anyone. So we had Dior, we had Vito, we had Humanoid, we had Larson, we had Perks, we had Ruby, we had Nuke, uh, Certus, and then Niski. No Perks way it was Certus. Be the... No, no, no. No way it was Certus. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, I think that like... Perks was a little too inconsistent for me throughout the season, mm -hmm. but I think that like originally I was thinking that it was going to be Caps, Nisky, Perks as top three. Um, but I think it's hard to argue against Larson based on his group's performance. Yeah, and even playoffs, I still think he was very good. I, I think Larson was he he had like some some important games. It's just a mid lane is so weird. I feel like mid lane was very, largely uninteresting. For the majority of the split in, in uh, yeah i mean it doesn't help that like humanoid just didn't have a good split at all i mean didn't get to see him in the best of threes who would be like the person that you have in there and then vito as well was someone that typically you expect to be very good especially when you look at his last year performance and then he also wasn't in playoffs and then i see why people are excited about certus like throughout groups or something he didn't die a single time you have to understand where like he didn't die a single there was like, uh, I think going into the series against Mad, he had like zero deaths. Because uh, Certus, I, I just remember like their, their series against Koi, for example, and they just solo lost the game, level three mid. He played Yeah, Jace. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're also think, looking at it from the perspective of like very early on in groups, right? Um, where, but against uh, Heretics, and vitality he had some like ridiculous stat line i forget exactly where it was but he was something like 21 0 23 or something i forget exactly which game it was but um yeah the the koi series they definitely got stomped and like sk's early games were not very good and a lot of it was because their mid jungle isn't very good at building early leads mm -hmm. <laughs> they would often win through team fights and i think it's fair to say that Sutis' team fighting has consistently been pretty good um but like when you look at the whole package, are you really going to tell me that Certus is a better laner than Larson and that he team fights better than Larson? I think that that's a, that's a stretch based on what we saw this split. Yeah. In, in my mind, I feel like Certus is just the same player that we always saw, but he just has stronger players around him. I think that uh, Markun and X I, I just feel like all the players around him just do so much more work. And maybe it's just Sturtus being a victim of his circumstance, but I, I it just in terms of what he does in the game, besides like some 
a Kali Flare moments. I I just I don't buy into that so quick. So I, I am not so high on, on Certus. I think Perks is a rough one too, right? Because he's also a victim yeah. of his circumstance, right? It's like he played a fucking Yon because they slammed in Italy and it looked like trash. He had like some moments sure. in games where he's like playing Azir, getting caught deep into the game, or like he has like he plays good, but then he has like some mistakes that are just so hard to forget, like in isolation. Yeah. Uh but I feel like third you can argue perks, Larson. I think um it's like Larson the same thing, right? I think I I think Larson was also not that great. It's so hard to fucking play Sue's third. I mean his I mean I will say that like Larson's groups was very good. It just was. Like him and Maorang on like the Sichuan Silas. It was just yeah. it was good. Yeah, it was. Um and then they uh they they looked very good against Vitality as well. Like they they two owed two owed. And like you can accredit a lot of Larson's success to Maorang if you want to. Yeah. But like even when you look at the last game that they ended up losing to Mad, like Larson was doing his absolute fucking best on his ear. He was like roaming around the map. He was like uh he was getting early kills, he was playing really well. No, it has like, to he was be doing his... it has to be Larson. I, I think it has to be Larson. It has to be Larson. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the the first the first gut feeling was 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 correct. For sure. Awesome. Have to add though, I think mid uh, mid was not super interesting, I think, this split. Nope. It, the and... whole split was between Niski and Caps, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh really, really I, I'm really not sold on Certus the way you guys are. I'm I'm really not. I don't think he, he makes or breaks that team. And um we continue. Next. Jungle. I would put Elioya first. Okay. You sure. good? Yeah. I mean, for me, the top three is like Elioya, Yike, Maorang. It's just about the order. I would put Yike second. Uh, let me just have a quick look at the other junglers we've got. So there's Bo, Marcoon, Sheo, Yankos, Maorang. And one one three has to be one of Yeah, Yankos also had like a great split. Unfortunately, the results just didn't end up the same way. It's like Marcoon is also up there, right? Yeah, Marcoon was and I mean, very like, important. Bo had his fair share of like fantastic games as well. Yeah, we had a lot of good junglers this split. Yep, yep. I think that. The top three that we have in El Yoya Yike and uh, Maorang, obviously very very solid trio, but I believe that that jungle was a pretty uh, pretty good role. Yeah, no, it's 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 always difficult when you do something like this, is because it's like being allowed to show more due to your circumstance, especially in a role like jungle. Yeah, uh, it is it, it's so important. It's yeah. like maybe. There are other junglers that can execute the way Yike executed in the context of his team, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And yeah, exactly. I even rated Malrang well in the regular split because he was connecting a lot of ganks, but his teammates just weren't converting. And he was he was doing a lot early games and he was putting himself on the sword. And then eventually we got to the point where the whole jungle meta was that. It's like everyone was just level three ganking and that was the whole thing. Yep. And um, 
I think Malan was super, super early with that, but I, I felt like in the beginning, Rogue, like Larson would get like first blood donated to him by Malran, and then he would just die right after, not respecting yep. something. And it would be the same about both, the same about top. And um, it's 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 very hard to to judge jungle. It's hard to judge players. It's like yep. maybe there's a world where Jankos plays on any of these teams, and he maybe is the best performing jungler. Maybe not of Elioia. Right, exactly. I think Elioia is like such a hard sell in terms yep. of what he does. Uh, but but for the rest it becomes trickier. But I think Yak deserves some praise for you know his his depth in terms of how he plays. Uh, he is in the right place at the right time. I think yeah, he plays uh, mechanically super well. Has a very very big champion pool, and yeah. he he delivers in the circumstances that he's been given. Right. And in the beginning, maybe they invaded the Raptors, and he died a couple of times here and there, you know, and on on the Raptor zone, that was his favorite place to die in. Uh, but I think that uh, Yike showed like a good enough range in my mind to 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 really put him second. Well, I I I think Maorang makes Rogue. Yeah. Like I think the reason why Rogue is as good as they are is because of him. Agreed. Right? And you you can make the same argument for Heretics in that like. Yankos is a large part of what makes that team good, right? And like he had to shoulder a lot of the responsibility. And obviously, like Yankos and Malrang, but like Yamato's already made it very clear that jungle is a hard role because your performance is always going to be reflected based on the su- success of your team. Yep. And even if you're doing like a jungle is always going to look worse if your laners are just losing, right? Like Razork had his fair share of mistakes, but if humanoid is getting solo killed every game, like, and the bot lane is just losing two v two, he's going to be limited in what he can do in terms of his impact, and that applies to all junglers and every team. And I can see a lot of people in the chat being like, "You're overrating Yike. He has caps as a mid laner, and he's got Han Summer and Mickey as a bot lane. Like, it's not fair to put him as high as he is because he's on his team." We're like, "Yeah, we know. <laughs> we recognize that raining jungle is really hard." <laughs> um, which is why, like you, you, you kind of just have to like stick to your guns in terms of rating the top three. You got to like form your own foundation of how you rate junglers. And for me, when I look at junglers, like El Yoya is the backbone of what makes Mad Lion successful. His early game presence is incredibly important, um, and I think that the same can be said for Maorang. A part of me would even rate Maorang above Yike in some instances simply because of the ways in which he's able to find ganks and enable Rogue and their early game success. But I think it's also fair to put Yike in that second position purely because people will argue that like, oh, well, he gets to set up those dives on bot every game. He has his mid laner always roaming with him. But like the timing, the jungle pathing, the awareness, playing around vision, all these things are really difficult to understand, especially in the context of a rookie. (laughs) Like... It, it's hard to just come into a team like G2 and then to be able to leverage your style as effectively as you can. It's important to just recognize why people would put Yike in the position that we're putting him in. Yeah. So for me, it would be El Yoya, Yike, Malrang, and then I would definitely have Yankos um, and Markoon is definitely like right next to them. And if someone wanted to put Markoon or Yankos in those positions, I would understand. And like, you know, I wouldn't be upset about that, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I feel the same that Malarang needs to be third. And um, yeah, it's like jungle is the heaviest context-based role 
there is. And yep. um, I think also it's fair to say that we've had some decent junglers. It's like yeah, honorable, men like honorable yeah. mentions needs to be like Bo. I think yeah. he deserves to be there. Yankos. 100%. Yep. And uh, Marku. And these, yep. these, these have been junglers that have had, when they when they were allowed to do so, had really good performances. Yep. I agree. Top lane? Top lane is it, it's an interesting one because it's a tough one. Chasey really increases stonks with uh, playoffs. Yep, with his chase. Yep. But photon, yep, yep, yep. it's like if we have if I have to add the additional layer of context, my man, like the whole situation for the boy was fucking disastrous. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. and photon definitely like carried vitality to first place uh, placement. He yeah. fucking solo won games. So Chasey, Photon, 1-2, for sure. Which order? Sure. I think it's just, uh, you know, depends on your taste. Yep, I agree. Because there's the recency bias, right, of Chasey over Photon, which yeah. totally makes sense. I get it. Um, but then when you add the context of like what Photon brought to his team during the regular season and the position that he put his team in, even in the, in the best of threes, mm -hmm. um, massive. So like... The, the hard part... I'm leaning towards is, Photon. Uh, I mean, I'm also leaning towards Photon. Uh, but people are going to be mad. <laughs> Who cares? True. Like we we uh, are aware that both can be argued. True. The difficult one is... I know, like, the debate is Broken Blade versus Irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, obviously, when you look at just, like, the finals and Broken Blade kind of being left on an island to fend for himself, I understand why people would be like, Broken Blade didn't have an amazing finals. I see the argument. But uh, Broken Blade still, overall, he he had some really insane games. Some of his Jax games, really, really good. Yeah. There was an Olaf game where he literally just straight up tower dived uh, Jigenda, like... 100 to 0 him underneath the tower. He had an Olaf, one versus three as well. Uh, in the Kled game versus Chasey, he literally solo killed him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, Broken Blade had a good split. Uh, the team didn't, like, play around top side of the map often. They definitely played around top side uh, every now and then, but top lane was not the focus. So, like, it's fair. But Irrelevant also had a great split. Uh, I think on Instinct, I would say Broken Blade three, probably, and then Irrelevant four. Yeah, that's also where I'm leaning against. It's like, BB is a tricky one because he, he just happened to play a lot of games, right? Uh, yeah, because he went is. all the way to the finals together correct, with, correct, uh, yeah. with with Chasey. And I think that BB um, had some really strong games, really strong Olaf games. He had really insane Jax games. He had the Kled game. Like, um, there are uh, definitely things uh, that... Um, stick out to me as like really good BB performances. BB will get exposed harder than Messiah Worlds and that's relevant how <laughs> to us doing this tier list. We're not making a tier list. Who is not going to be devoured by Koreans and Chinese players? That's not the, that's not the tier list. <laughs> it's like, oh, then no, we're putting Wunder up there. Oh, Wunder. Yeah. <laughs> This is this is a def different thing, but I'm, I I have to agree with BB on three. Yep. There's definitely had games where I, where I I was the thought crossed my mind. It's like he just has to do nothing this game and still win. 
But that's like, yeah. maybe you would play different if it wasn't the case. So <laughs> it's, it's always the context, yeah? And I top, would... like these lists are always hard because you can always have a different opinion and no one's ever going to agree and that's both the beauty and frustration yeah. obviously of these lists i would put uh, honorable mention irrelevant and then i think adam had yeah. some really good games yeah 100 percent. there was a period in time where i thought adam might be the best top laner in the league well there were definitely performances from him 100 percent. great split overall yep yep um, we we yep. do we move on to to bot it has oh, to be yeah. Hans on top. Hans. <laughs> it's Hans Mickey. You can put both in. <laughs> yeah. Hans Mickey. Uh, support in terms of like how complete of a player uh, Hilly is. I want to put him second. I agree. I agree. I think that his performance against Koi was so insane. Like, he was so damn good. And I don't want to underestimate the value of all Mad Lions players based on the final alone, because there's so yeah. much that goes into playing against a team that is inherently better than you and are throwing many different things at the wall. We talked about this earlier, about fatigue and so forth. Yeah, And um, I think that's, like, uh, important to point out. Sure. So, Hilly second. We good? Yep. Both lane second... You know, I think it's like, what what kind of names do we have? We have Exakick. Exakick. Comp. And then we have Comp. And then there's like Kobe, right? Kobe could be in, in a conversation of being maybe in the top three. I feel bad for Kazi. I feel like that I know his recent performances weren't good, and I get it. Overall, I still think he had a good split overall. Like, I wouldn't probably want to put him in my top three. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I feel bad, partly because, like, uh, I do think that Mad definitely didn't really play through bot, but he, you know, he made his fair share of mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Like, he got knocked up by a Janna Tornado, and then he got one shot in bot lane, and then there was this Tristana game, and then, like, you know, mm. I get it. He was not in uh, Sweden. Yeah, he was, he was not in Sweden. <laughs> um, I kind of feel strongly about Kick. I feel strongly about Exakick second, actually. You the more do? More I think about it. Yeah, you yeah. do? He had, like, really strong regular split. I think he had really strong playoffs, too. I think there was never a moment where I doubted Exakick. I think this guy was pristine. The shit? You think like, he was, he, he was really the shit, man. I like comp a lot. I still think he had a really good groups and uh, playoffs overall. But his but regular, I've man. His regular? Yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it was trash. Yeah, it was trash. <laughs> sure. I'm going to overrule you on this one. I All just, right, I'm down. Uh, Execute comp. I'm down. I'm down, bro. I'm in. I'm in. Third? It's like, I think there's an argument for Kobe. I just want to float this to you. Shit. You want to... Uh, oh. We have another problem here where Comp just had more screen time than Kobe did. <laughs> yes. That's the problem, you know? So, like, it's one of those things where, like, this inherently isn't a fair comparison because not all players got the same level of exposure, you know? And so depending on when you stop... Well, like, if we just looked at the regular season in isolation, Hans, Exekit, Kobe, easy. Lock that in. You know mm. what I mean? 
that wouldn't even be a debate. But then you get into the best of threes and you look at comp's performance, you're like, whoo, Koi literally didn't drop a game in the best of threes. It was just 2-0-2-0, stomp, stomp, you know? And a large part of that was because Comp and Trimby were, were on a bit of a tear. You know what I mean? But yeah. uh, can't afford to underestimate what Astralis did. You know, they, they had incredibly competitive games overall. And Kobe was a large part of that. Mm. I think Jizuka makes a good point. Comp Trimby laning phase was rank one. I mean, that, that for me is one of the really big things. I think that like, I think that the laning was really good. It was really, really, really good. But they also have the biggest psychopath in the jungle. True. And I think that matters. <laughs> I like also Koi versus SK. SK was heavily under siege against of, of the, the, the Malrong magic. And uh, they got some 2v2 kills. Like they got some 2v2 kills in that situation. And that was like the only hope that um, SK had in, in that series. So that like stands out to me as well. I think I think Comp and Trimby. I think if you only look at yesterday, and you only look at the more recent things, I think it's very easy to put them up there. It's like coming into the next split. I think Comp and Trimby should be regarded as one of the best bot lanes in Europe, uh, together with Hansama, Mickey, and uh, and uh, and Exakick and and, and Dos. Yeah. But look at the whole split. I'm I'm leaning I'm leaning Kobe, based off of just the longevity of the split. But if it's me, only I'm playoffs... Personally, personally, I'm still leaning comp. I mm. understand your logic. I, I, I understand the idea. I'm more on the, the comp train. I, I, don't, I don't mind it at all. I really don't mind putting comp there. Uh, like I, I think there's an argument for both, for sure. Let's put upset third. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> I, like I think the cool thing about Kobe was even when Astralis was on like that big loose streak and they couldn't fucking win a single game, even those games like Kobe and Younghoon were putting up fucking numbers, man. They were fucking like uh, even in their losses, they were always fucking consistent. I remember like that first Zaya game against Team Heretics when the enemy like slammed the Casio, that uh, was such a solid pick in that moment, right? It just won the game on the spot, no matter how Ruby played the Casio. And Kobe was playing like Zaya, and he was like fucking trying his absolute hardest. <laughs> it's like a lot of people mentioned Crowny too. I just, I think Crowny had a fantastic split, but it's hard yep. for me to put him above any of these four. Yep, I agree. I think he's right there, right below them, you know? And that's not to take anything away from him. Yeah, yeah. It's just a hard, hard class of ADs, <laughs> this split. It is a hard class. Yeah, 100%. It's a, it's a hard class. And like the the reality is too, is that Yamato and I haven't like VOD reviewed every single laning phase and team fight of all of these players. You know, there are going to be certain things that stick out in our minds and other people are going to have different examples that stick out in their minds. And yeah, like, there's just no pro view, right? It's like that's where it yeah, becomes yeah, yeah. even harder to judge. It's like if there's pro it's, view, uh, this would be a lot easier to do. But without pro view, it's like sometimes the camera doesn't show a player the whole fucking game long, and yeah, you yeah. just see his CS numbers at the end, and then that's it. <laughs> yep. And then like you know, you'll, you'll remember things like the comp pentakill, right? You know, and like that can be enough to sway an opinion. You know, and, uh, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. But for me, I like it's hard. Yeah, I'm more on the comp train. I'm more on the comp side. I appreciate that. I totally understand the Kobe argument. Completely makes sense to me, and I wouldn't be upset if someone were to put Kobe on on that list in third place. Um, yeah. 
The hard one is DOS is a Trimby. I'm more on the Trimby side, personally. I'm I'm also more on the Trimby side. I'm more on the Trimby side. I um my reasoning would be I think DOS really fucking good uh, blame face. And um it could be one of those things where DOS didn't need to show more, but this is just how SK played, right? Just um and then there was like moments where, yeah, I, I think I think Trimby, I think it's just the same reasoning as Comp, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it could be one of those situations where maybe Exakick is getting a lot more praise, but maybe those should get some of that share. I think those has played, played really good, but... It's just yeah, 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 what yeah. we've seen from Exakick has always been fucking gorgeous, you know, all split long. Well, I will say what I love about Exakick, right, is there was a game where he played against G2 and the number of times he flashed onto Caps' face in the middle of a team fight was, it was like three times, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it's a lot more than you expect a typical AD character to do. <laughs> <laughs> there were just a series of fights where he was just like, the call was clearly Caps is out of position or like Caps is here, kill Caps, and he just went in every time. Like that level of confidence for an AD carry, mm. especially a rookie AD carry, I don't know. It just really impressed me. I was just so impressed with how like he he seemed to just play without any... But the the funniest story Cadrill told me was um, he meets Han Summer for the first time and he's like, you know, really starstruck. He's like, oh my God, so really nice to meet you. Have a fantastic game, you know. Mm. And like he, he like idolizes Han Summer. And then he goes on stage, and then he fucking two v two kills him. And, <laughs> and you're like, huh? and uh, um, it's one of those situations where often when you like meet people that you really look up to, you can be like hesitant because you see that name on your screen, yeah, and you're yeah. like, oh my god, I'm playing against my hero, the guy that I've been looking up to all these years. And so like you don't always you show them more respect than you should. You can't play like yourself. He mm -hmm. he gets on the rift, and he just. The nameplates are off. He doesn't care. He just plays like he always plays. And for a rookie, that's just really impressive to me. He's learned a lot, and I think he's come a long way. No, this is like a dream, dream first split, you know? Yeah. It's like uh, some players just have fucking insane first splits, and Exekick is definitely the one. <laughs> definitely one of those players. I'm your biggest fan, and I'll make you retire. <laughs> <laughs> you have to rest. You have to rest. That's funny, man. That's funny. <laughs> Okay. I'm happy with this list. Yeah, Photon, Chasey, BB, Elioya, Yike, Malrang, Caps, Niski, Larson, Hans, Summer, Exekick, Comp, Mickey, Healy, Trimby. Yo, I, I think that sounds pretty legit to me. I put Dos and Younghoon uh, over there. I think honorable yep. mention. I don't know. It's like honorable on, on coach tier list. <laughs> no yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to ask Jizuke, what do you think about mid in Europe? It's like, but the thing is, when you ask a mid laner about mid in Europe, he's going to strictly judge from his experience laning against this player. Yeah, he is. And yeah, he's, going to, he's, going to, he's going to drop a lot of these players way further down. <laughs> but he's going to say, oh, Niski, no way he's there, you know? Yeah. He's gonna, he's gonna, it's gonna be like caps humanoid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, strictly what broadcast has allowed us to see through the games 
in the games that they played. This is what we judge. Without scream information, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes I'm the best League of Legends player. <laughs> sometimes I'm a League of Legends player and I feel like I'm the best player on the Rift, but I don't win anyway. And that can happen. <laughs> sometimes I'm only 20 CS ahead and then it doesn't mean anything. Happens. Yeah. That's just League of Legends, guys. That's just League of Legends. Bro, I fucking love listening to pros on their opinions of other players, you know? <laughs> it's just like, it's so funny. You listen to Oyoya in interviews and then the way he talks about SK, he's like, yeah, I think the bot lanes are really good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> and you just like, okay, anything else? He's like, I really like their bot lane. I think they're really talented. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah. This weird split. I mean, it has been a weird split, Jazuke. Super fair. It's really short, high pressure. Teams haven't had a lot of time to prep. And uh, spring could be completely different. I wonder how many teams are still practicing this week. How many teams are actually taking a week off or how many are already back in the scrims. Um, and like, I wonder if we'll even see, like, bear in mind, if you look at it from the perspective of last split, we've just finished week six. And now there's a mid-split break. And then when we return, it's week seven of the LEC. Uh, Here, I make a coaching tier list. So we have G2 first. Yeah. Mad okay. Lions second. Yeah. And then you have Koi and then third. Misfit third. Oh, not Misfit. Okay. <laughs> Misfits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, guys, I just made the base of the placements. <laughs> what about SK? <laughs> I, just, I just made placements, guys. <laughs> Coaching of the split, I hate that award. I hate it. Yes, yes. Personally, it's a really difficult one to vote for because like <laughs> all you hear is like how the pros like evaluate their coaches. Like for example, SK would probably be like coach of the split if I had to vote. Just because yeah. all I hear from the SK players are like, oh, our coaching staff is so insane. Mm. You know? And then for you sure, probably yeah. put G2 second. But like it's literally all you hear from players. Because I never get to, I'm not coached by Dylan. What the fuck do I know? <laughs> I, yeah, I, do I just raid him on his drafts? Like Yamato told you the stories earlier of where players come into a draft and go, trust me, Dylan, I need to play Sejuani mid here. You know, like, <laughs> like what can Dylan do? <laughs> I think it's it's like also what's the quote? Um I, I think if anything, you just look at, oh, this is what we expected. For the teams, G2, yeah. we expected them to be favors coming into the split. SK, yeah. we expected them to be bottom two. They made yeah. a big fucking jump. They're in our top four conversation right now. Yeah. Uh, God bless them, you know? Respect to to, to Swiffer and, and the gang. Yeah. And and Mitch, of course. Mitch, four spools. Or the fuck else is, you say his name? Sorry, Mitch. I don't know why I've decided to murder your name. <laughs> All right, Jacob, this has been fun. This Let has been brilliant, bro. This has been brilliant. Thank you very much, brother. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, yeah. Let's do this each bit, maybe. You ready for to do this after spring? We can look into it, yeah. Uh, uh, let's, let's cook it up. And then we can... I'm, we I'm tired go. now, though. Yeah. I, had, I don't want to think about League of... I actually might even go play some League of Legends. We'll see. Oh, nice. But, uh, you just... You just contradicted yourself in the span of Vagar mid, bro. It's the, my new favorite mid. I'm having a bunch of fun. The Q range buff makes him a ton of fun. Yes, yes. Super, super fun. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Okay, but before brother. we go, yeah? need to remind everyone at home watching, if you're watching on the YouTubes, 
be sure to uh, head on over to twitch.tv forward slash Yamato Cannon so you can follow the channel, so you can check out all of his future content. He does viewing parties. He does live views. He does co-streams. He does VOD reviews. He's got all the League of Legends content you could possibly want. If you're watching on the Twitch right now, you can head over to youtube.com forward slash, what is it, Yamato Cannon? Is that the YouTube? Yes, sir. Yeah, and so uh, and you can uh, you can sub with yes. your free Twitch Prime to the, the to the channel right now. Free Twitch Prime, you've got it. You can uh, sub so that you're there for all of the content. So make sure you check out Yamato Cannon, and don't be surprised to see this beautiful man's face on the broadcast as a guest in the near future. He already showed his face a couple times on the LEC in winter. I'm sure he'll be back in spring. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, big split for Yamato. Check out mm. all the content. Yeah, and, baby. Uh, have, enjoy the episode. Have a wonderful time. Mm. Thank Dab you very much, Redis. And have a good one. He dabbed on him. He dabbed on him like that. Mm. Crazy. Crazy. Bye. <laughs> bye, bye, Redis. <laughs> Thank you very much, brother. Uh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Someone asked why is Bo not in the honorable mention? He is. His name is just very small. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys, for the subscriptions. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. We are almost bald, guys. Almost bald. 20% bald. 30% skill. Where is Yamada's agent? Why BB third? BB had some really, really strong games. He had some really, really strong games, really, really strong performances. Uh, he had some games where he needed to do less, but I, I, I think BB had really, really good games. Which player is the most attractive? Honestly, Tommy Fury. Fucking Tommy Fury, all Jake Paul wanted to do was, was hug him, man. And it made sense. There aren't many strong top laners in LEC in general at the moment. I think there's, there's a, a lot of good ones right now. So we have fucking Chasey and Photon. It was, uh, it was a blessing, man. Okay, guys, if you missed any of the conversation, we covered the finals, we covered G2, Mad Lions, every team. We made a tier list coming into spring. We made a, a top three assessment. Keep in mind, guys, this list is going to be biased as fuck. Maybe, maybe so a player did something while I'm looking down and scratching my leg and he just ran it down and I missed it. Why not Bo top five? Bo is right there, man. Bo is there. Bo. I'll write it bigger, okay? He's an honorable mention. Bo. His name is so small, no one sees it. Bo. That's Bo. Bo. <laughs> she has a small name, Bo. Team drafting tier list? Ah. Ah. Team drafting playlist, it's like mixed to gameplay, and that's just the result, you know? That's just the result. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, who do we raid? Who do we raid? 
Who do we raid, guys? Jack Spectral? We can raid Jack Spectral, yeah? Showmaker! Is Showmaker streaming? Holy shit, guys, we're, we're raiding Showmaker! We have to raid Showmaker, man. I have to tell you guys a story about Showmaker, okay? We were at Worlds, okay? And when we arrived at Worlds, Riot gave us these goodie bags, okay? They gave us these goodie bags with Pepsi and snacks and all that shit. And our training room was right outside of Damwon's room. And the day we lost, my performance coaches brought these bags of Pepsi and snacks and we saw that they were eating all of these snacks and drinking all of the Pepsi. So, so we're like, should we just give this to Damwon? And then I knock on the door and Showmaker looks at me, you know, they turn around from the PC. The Damwon people say, and I say, Showmaker, sorry, Fnatic, boom, we fly home. Here, Pepsi. <laughs> and then he says, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I, I leave the bags in, his, in their gaming room. <laughs> And then I just make sure we fly home. I make this sign. We fly home. Fanatic boom. <laughs> he says, ah. <laughs> yeah, what a blessing. That was a good time. So let's let's raid Showmaker. Let's let's see his reaction. Let's raid Showmaker, guys. You can tell him Fnatic Boom because it's still true. It's still true. <laughs> See you guys. He don't know you a little bro. Maybe he doesn't. <laughs> I love you all. Thank you so much for watching guys. Thank you. Thank you. If you missed anything, it'll be on YouTube. Check out the vote channel. Check out everything else. See you.